everybody, and welcome to Season 7 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stogden. Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he's created here on Sequelizers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, fuck it up. That, that's a hell of a quote. Listen, if you, if, you, if you want me to go back to Screaming Pigs, I'm ready. <laughs> Press press six on your phone now to vote for <laughs> That's a flying pig. Oh, we do need to make the the Matt Stockton soundboard. <laughs> no one needs that. It would be at this point it'd be pretty easy. We've we've said a lot of shit True. over the years. Especially with individual mics now, we have like clean reads of most mm. of the stuff, so we could really get some some right. uh, evidence. Yeah, like a vocal deep fake where we just reproduce robot Matt. <laughs> And speaking of robot copies, that's weirdly relevant for this series of films. <laughs> Our robot copy, the mem- third member of the sequelizers, it's Tim Maton. Rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, I, I, again, it's another example of, if you've guessed the film from this opening sequence, <laughs> gold star for you, listener, because fucking hell. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. <laughs> Because this episode, we're talking about the oh, third film in a franchise, <laughs> the 2003 kids film, Spy Kids 3 D. Uh, get it? Don't forget that D. Yeah, the pause is intentional. <laughs> yeah. Spy Kids 3D, colon, game over. It's the third out of four, I believe, yeah. Spy Kids films, because yes. they made a comeback like for this, like the previous decade for some reason. Uh, yeah, 2011, yeah. I'll say. Yeah. It was 2011, yes, correct. And before we get to fixing this, frankly, terrible fucking movie, I'd like to thank our patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers if you'd like to support us. You get some bonus content. You get discounts on merch you get all this good stuff you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and check out all the different perks and all the bonuses just like our three executive producers have done first off the man we mentioned in a previous episode the man known only as Stuart Main. i'm the guy and of course the next executive producer jonathan firth clark we all know that you're not the guy. And rounding out the trio of EPs, Mr. Mike Salvia. I'm the guy. The real guy. So yeah, time to time to talk about Spy Kids, because this episode's gonna very heavily be, I think, a bit similar to Baby Despicable Me, where Jack says, Why are we doing this? Why yes. am I just de- they're all shit, I hate them all. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And weirdly enough. I got some real fucking Despicable Me vibes from these films <laughs> as, I was, as I was watching them with all the like fake super secret agent bullshit that grew and, and drew because that was a thing. Just pull out of thin air and they all just have like, you know, secret cartoon villain layers and all this bullshit. It's like really bad CGI from like a worse Despicable Me mashed into live action for some reason. And you have the spy kids. Because to, to, to let listeners in on my, my process for this, I'm not writing this, thank God. That, that's somebody else's job. That's Tim's job for this episode. 
I watched all three of them in the span of the last 24 hours. I watched two yesterday evening, and so the first two, and then the film we're talking about today, earlier today. And I hated every single minute. (laughs) (laughs) I did did a similar uh, kind of high-density injection of Spy Kids. Um, but I only not I, recommended I, by doctors. I got <laughs> I got halfway through the second one, and I was like, I need to take a break um, because so I took a significant break between the first and the second one. So I watched the first one, and I t- I messaged you guys like, Hey, uh, thirty <laughs> minutes into my four and a half hour <laughs> Spy Kids marathon, and I'm hating my life right now. <laughs> and Emma was not happy. <laughs> Thankfully, thank God, we have two TVs and I have headphones so I can sit there and watch it on my big screen. I can, like, cast to my TV or put my put the DVD in the PS4 or whatever and watch it on my TV and she can carry on gaming on her TV. Because if we had one TV, <laughs> I would watch every sequelizer's film illegally on my phone and be happy with it. <laughs> and I would, be, I would be stuck with that. Or, like, seeing in this room in the office and, like, watching on my laptop with my mm-hmm. headphones on and just being depressed (laughs) but fucking hell these films are terrible i mean the interesting thing is that watching all three in the space of about 24 hours Mm. while certainly not recommended is not that far from how they were released because these films came out one a year for three years on the trot um that rodriguez trying to do his lord of the rings trilogy or something rodriguez (laughs) is fast turnaround he's 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 an independent filmmaker that I personally have to love because the ability to just say, fuck it, I'm going to do this. I'm not making it for anyone. I don't care. I want to do this because this might be fun for my kids. This might be fun for me. I was going to say, so my understanding from this is he made some not-so-kid-friendly films, shall we say, (laughs) in his career. Some some lower-budget kind of horror-y kind of stuff and a few other bits and pieces before then going on to doing like what people are more probably more associated with him stuff like sin city and um uh what's the one i'm thinking of grindhouse them um, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but this was basically like i want to make films that my kids can watch so i'm gonna do that for three or four years for some reason i'm gonna make yeah. films my kids can watch and i hate my kids <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of, i would like my theory would be make something animated then because the the problem I have with this, not the problem, but one of the main problems is, and I know Tim and I talked about this brief briefly a few days ago, just just before I started watching my uh, my four hours of hell. Tim said, "Yeah, they were weirdly like pushing the boundaries of the technology at the time, and like they for such low budget, relatively low budget kids mm-hmm. films, they did a lot of crazy shit with the budget that they had, and mm. Rodriguez was quite innovative in some of the stuff he was doing." But good lord, the CG and the effects and the writing is it all just seems really low budget and crap. And I feel like almost none of it gels with the the live action stuff that they're trying to gel it with. And it looks like I mean I talked about Despicable Me, it kind of looks like this weird live action version of Despicable Me at times. Mm. Some of the CG looks like fucking Escape from LA with that fucking submarine. <laughs> yeah. It's just they have a submarine. They literally have like a submarine in the first one. And I was like, this is just Escape from LA. Why am I rewatching Escape <laughs> from LA but less interesting? Yeah, I think, you know, 
Rodriguez is an interesting filmmaker because of his like oh, to say the least, yeah. His like sort of guerrilla methods of of like shooting stuff on a shoestring budget. Obviously, he made like El Mariachi for basically no money, mm-hmm. um, and has he's sort of famous for like he shoots his own films, he edits his own films, he does the music for them, he's the cameraman, etc., yeah. etc. Et um, and these films are really like at the time kind of if you know these were 2001 to 2003 they were really pushing the boundaries of things like shoot it like they uh, they were the second one i think was entirely shot on digital which was the first film other than like attack of the clones to be done so or something like that um and the third one uh, which is obviously the one we're fixing is basically all done on virtual sets, like was done entirely on green screen. Like it's an incredible, for, for the shoestring budget that it's made on, they're kind of incredible. But the problem with being like the first person through the wall to like break in this new technology is that 20 years later, it looks like ass. <laughs> um, especially the third one where they're trying to do so much with so little money. And do and it the whole like, 3D thing. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was he was making this. He was doing it was an a slightly new method of 3D, but it was before the James Cameron polarized lens 3D because it yeah. because the cinemas weren't set up for that at that at that time. So it was still on the traditional like red blue lens 3D, but it was an improved for I, I'm not sure of the technical, like how it was better than very old school 3D. But sure. Um so there was it was boundary breaking in that boundary breaking in the use of CGI. He made it basically at the same time that he was making uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, um, which is the reason that certain characters barely show up in the third one. It's because they were also shooting Once Upon a Time in Mexico at the same time, or he was. I think he was writing that while he was doing post production on this, um, or there, there was a lot of crossover. Um, and he made it, I think he wrote it in, it it was something like it was written in six weeks, uh, which is, you know, when Suicide Squad was written in six weeks, everyone held their hands up and were like, well, what can you fucking expect? Um, and he works on a very similar timescale of just like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to throw it together. You know, it, it's kind of admirable in the, in the let's put on a show in a bar, in the barn type attitude. But that does not always make for the best product. I like to do something uh, very quickly, just just briefly whip through Mr. Rodriguez's films and Ooh, see here we go. what we think of them. Very very quickly. So I mean, like in a, just a, a one word sound response, like yeah. So I will I will, however, ignore just so we all know, road races, probably shorts, and probably Red Eleven. But we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. So first things first, El Mariachi. Yay! Good. Yep. Good. I like, I like it. What film. it is is great. Yeah. Yep. Desperado. Very I good. I like that film as well. Very good. Yep. Good. We all agree. Um, we'll ignore four rooms because again, just the nature of low budget. Yeah, I like four rooms, but yeah, sure. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, from Dust Till Dawn. Hey, Excellent. I like that film. Yeah, yep. we all like that. Yep. Good. Really like that film. Yeah. The Faculty. Bloody yeah. love it. Yep. We good. talked about that recently. That's great. We'll skip over the three Spy Kids films for a second. <laughs> that's the discussion point for today. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. yeah, yeah, it's all right. Sin City, 
I really like Sin City. Yeah, I like the first pretty, Sin City. Pretty good. Yeah. The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Haven't you mean seen Spy it. Kids 4. <laughs> no, I do not mean Spy Kids 4. Before, when we first, when we, I know, briefly inter- interrupt your, mm, your list. Yes. I remember when we first talked about this. We were like, yeah, Spy Kids 3. And I was like, is that the one where they're like Shark Girl and Lava Kid or whatever the fuck? <laughs> and you were like, no. Like, well, which one's that? It's not. I'm like, what do you mean it's not? It's like, that's the Robert Rodriguez directed kids film bullshit in the mid 2000s, right? Like, yes, but no. Turns out, it's not in the fucking Spy Kids universe, and that blew my mind. <laughs> yep. That's... Aesthetically, it's in the Spy Kids universe. I mean, they look exactly the same, right? Except one of them has one of them has Taylor Lautner in, and the other one has the kid from Spy Kids. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer's husband, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um aesthetically it's very much in the Spy Kids 3, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um right, so uh Planet Terror. Eh. 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 Um eh. Shorts, I don't think I anyone's seen shorts. It's nope. an anthology piece of short films. It's it's very much the the kid-friendly, yay, kind of shit here. Machete. I, um, I like I like the first Machete. Um, it's it's like stupid. It yeah, fun ish. Yeah, Spy Kids all the time in the world. Not seen the, that one. The best, my favorite. Not seen it. I've seen it. Why? Uh, why? I know you. I knew you would have, but why? It's not great. Um, machete. Is it worse than 3D Game Over? Yeah. Fuck. Man. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Bad. Do they just get worse? Well, this is what I'm sort of tracking over his career for a second. So Machete kills. Uh. I don't which, know if I've which, seen that one. I yeah. have. It features the the girl from Spy Kids. Yeah, Alexa Vega, isn't it? Yeah. As as a yeah, Alexa Vega plays like a stripper assassin mm. in the same universe as Danny Trejo is still playing Machete, but she's not she's not Carmen Cortez, but <laughs> yeah. I mean Cheech Marin plays everybody in these films, so you know I mean, sure. <laughs> as he as he should do. Yeah. Uh Sin City a Dame to Kill for. Bad. Bad Have film. not seen that Bad one. Bad film. Alita, Battle Angel. Not yet seen that, but kind of want yeah. to. Nim. Yeah. Yeah. Red 11, we haven't seen. Uh, well, most people haven't seen because of just pretty schedules and that sort of stuff. And we could be here he's working on. Now, just, just in a very overbroad sort of reaction there, um, our reactions went from, eh, yeah, 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 fine, yeah, yeah. Correct. And yes. that seems to be the trajectory of the career. Not in a, an attack against Rodriguez, because I think the, he maintains that um, that independent nature. He still maintains that integrity, shall we say, of I'm doing everything. I want all my friends in this. And the representation of um, Latino cast and that stuff. And then it's like, he pushes it to the foreground. There are strong female characters. And it's like, yeah, he's doing a lot right. So but, yeah, the the... The like Hispanic cast, the Latino cast and Latina cast, mm. and the prominent and actual like it, it, these films pass the Bechtel test basically, like the, mm. the lowest, where which is a uh, two female characters talk about something that isn't one of the male characters. Yes. It's like the lowest, it's the lowest bar for yeah. like <laughs> you know n- non sexist filmmaking basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was that was the th- the only like positive thing Emma had to say over my shoulder as I was watching them. She was like, "Are <laughs> well, they really committing to like the the Hispanic kind of thing here?" And I'm like, "Yeah, they." I didn't realize it was such a problem. Obviously, I knew Antonio Banderas and Danny Trejo and Cheech Marin are in these films, and obviously they're all mm. you know three prominent Hispanic actors. But it never really occurred to me that obviously 
Rodriguez himself is of, is of Mexican descent and all this kind of mm. stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. That's not really something you see in kids' films is this yep. Hispanic representation. Precisely. Why is the kid a Jew? <laughs> like, Megan, Megan Trainor's husband looks like me. And I'm like, hold on a minute. You can't be a little curly-haired white boy in this group of like, Hispanic. And granted, Carla Gugino, she's Italian-American. Yeah. So I was like, okay, fair enough. Why is this little kid who looks kind of like me in these films <laughs> shouldn't he be hispanic his surname's cortez for fuck's sake uh, daryl sabara is he no he's jewish is he no, jewish, he's jewish. I, yeah, that's, that's that's I looked this up because i was like oh. he looks like me when i was six like why, <laughs> why am i in this film? i mean first of all i assume it's just again more representation just he oh by the thing. way I'm I'm of Jewish descent. I can say this. Kind of stuff. <laughs> I was going to say just, just, just to throw it out there. Yeah. People say, "Oh, you look just like Seth Rogen and all this kind of shit." There's a reason for that. <laughs> I've got curly hair, and yeah, on my mother's side, I'm descended from Jewish people. Comes from like the Russian Jewish Polish sort of ancestry. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a fair enough observation because you're like, yeah, but also, it's another group being represented, so I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, is, I, is he is he not their biological son? Did I mean, I miss technically, something? gingers come up everywhere. I mean, it does. I, it doesn't really matter, does it? At the end uh, of the no. day, like I, I only, I only really kind of grasped that because I, I did start looking him up for reasons that will become apparent in my pitch. Um, uh, Casting Megan Trainer. Uh, <laughs> um, Dear God. Uh, yeah, and realised that he he wasn't uh, uh, Latino, but. Um, yeah, I I, it, I think it like didn't... anything, it's a case of when you have a group okay, put it this way. If it's a bunch of white people, and I mean this as wasps, basically, the white Anglo Saxon Protestant motherfuckers. Um, if it's those people, any minority tends to stand out as like, oh, 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 there's the Jewish kid. Oh, oh, there's the black kid, mm. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas if you have another prominent um, This is the other way around. Yeah. The, the white kid stands out and I'm like, this is really <laughs> yeah. weird. This is the opposite of what me having every fucking white protagonist is a white guy called Jack. <laughs> every action hero star is a white guy called Jack. With dark hair. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and this is the opposite for me. It's like, wait a minute. There's a kid who looks like me. Yeah. Oh, he's the only one who looks like me. <laughs> this is what that feels like, but in reverse. Oh my God. This is so strange. And yeah, I just thought it was really weird. And I don't know why that stuck out to me so much, but yeah. I was so, like, I will sing the praises of Rodriguez for going for that kind of representation because sure. he really commits to it. And it's an interesting, like, I mean, we, we talked about like how representation is taken in different eras and and through different films we've talked about yeah, and yeah. of all the like kids films we've talked about i was not expecting any of them to have anything like particularly interesting to say in terms of representation and it's great to have that for young latins you know spanish speakers and hispanic people to have that kind of representation and then we get things like again Everybody drink, Jack's talking about Into the Spider-Verse. You get people like Miles Morales, <laughs> who course. is half black, half Latin, and mm. you get this kind of he he is an amazing example of representation for for young like superhero fans and, and comic book readers, and now people can see him in in his own film. And mm. Spider-Man was always kind of that, you know, going from the kind of kids stuff and 
you know, young kids go, oh, he's a teenager. I could be Spider-Man. He could be anybody under that suit. And that was kind of one of Stan Lee's things mm-hmm. was while he's in the suit, he could be any color because his suit, com- unlike Batman and Superman, he is completely covered from head to toe, you know, and mm-hmm. it could be anyone in the Spider-Man suit. And they even did that moment in the comics where Miles' suit yes. gets ripped and they're like, huh, the new Spider-Man's black. And everyone went, whoa, okay, how are you going to handle this? And spoiler alert, they didn't handle it very well. <laughs> Society. But the, thought, but the thought was there. And I really appreciate people who go out to make media for, especially for kids and for younger audiences, mm-hmm. that go out of their way to express different representation because i think that is so important for young audiences yeah to get it in essentially get that instilled in them as as quickly as possible that you are no different to anyone else you are normal there are there are people like you there are good people like you around the world and no matter what that dickhead at school is saying to you or those bullies at school or whatever Mm -hmm. it is there will be good people who are black or hispanic or jewish or whatever your heritage is it's a really really cool idea I still hate these films. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I, I did find it odd that it seemed to jump because the first one definitely seemed to be set in Mexico. Um, it, it seemed there were several, yeah. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there were several bits that indicated it was, it was taking place in Mexico. And then in the second or, one, it or at le- least like New Mexico or like somewhere like San Diego, where it's a very like Latin. Yeah. Thing like yeah, yeah um, definitely. But then in the second one, it leaps to them talking about the president of the United States, who shows up as a character. Um, and then in the third one, I believe the finale takes place in front of the uh, Texas State Capitol in San Antonio. Yes, it's, it does indeed. Yes, yes. Um, which is where Rodriguez is from. Yes, yep. he's from San Antonio. So I yeah, <laughs> I think ultimately it's. <sighs> Again, in the same way that when something just just to put it in our own backyard, mm. when you have a Richard Curtis movie, and it's like London, <laughs> obviously, and anytime they leave London to go somewhere else, either in the countryside or whatever, it's always just oh, <laughs> and it always just looks the fucking same, and that's kind of I think what's here. It's that general. I don't know what the exact word is for that entire region um, between the sort of Mexico, the, the, new, the Central the American Southwest. borders. Kind yes, of like, Southwest yeah. in general, yeah. yeah. The Tex-Mex fusion, if you will. No <laughs> one will. But if you will, um, yeah, that whole co- combination of, let's say, the New Mexico, Nevada, everything else, it's all in that uh, bioregion, shall we say. And I think that general looseness, until you get the very obviousness of San Antonio, is kind of helpful in a way because if you're an audience, say for example in Mexico, or if you're an audience in America, you just pick the bits. You go, ah, that's that's here. In the same way, like where's this set? Well, it's set in the Midlands or the North, or <laughs> Wales. It doesn't really fucking matter. But you get what you want. Again, I think it's that representation mindset, that idea of what you're uh, seeing and getting across, and what you identify with. And, and these films are mostly shot in Texas, which kind of helps. Yeah, yeah, of course, backyard. Um, just to jump back to the progress of Robert Rodriguez's career. I was thinking about this because I I was watching these films and um I we haven't really touched on how fucking odd these films are from the word go <laughs> and That's they because there's such a damn world 
flow once we they do pull only that out. get weirder yeah and i was thinking about this and i was looking at looking at rodriguez's career and i and i was like i don't think robert rodriguez really knows how to write people who seem like humans <laughs> because he writes cartoon people yeah to my mind like his best work is often when someone else is writing the script he didn't and write the faculty did he he didn't write the faculty he didn't write no. from dusk till dawn no um no. he basically didn't write sin city because it's it's merit. pretty much a word for word adaptation yeah. of, of yeah. the comic book um and just like there's there's so many odd things in these films, but just watching the characters interact, they feel like aliens who have observed humans, but don't like they know all the things that you're meant to say in a situation, but they have no idea what the words mean. It's like they've mm. learned they've learned language and everything phonetically, yeah. and they're just saying words because there's just something. It it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, it's it just gives these films this feeling of like uncanny valley even when it's just two people interacting are you saying I agree. this is a blip on the turing test where you're yes. like these aren't these aren't humans <laughs> it passes the bechdel test but not the turing test yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so take with that what you will if anyone needs to know the turing test is to uh, sort of wheedle out ai and if it's you know human enough <laughs> yes it's kind of like that thing in blade runner but not Yes, um, <laughs> or very much like that thing in Ex Machina, <laughs> or li literally the thing in Ex Machina. Yeah. Yes, um, I, I mean I was freaked out from what minute five of the first film, where the fucking robot thumb monsters show up. <laughs> I'm like, right, I assume there's some sort of joke oh I'm not in God. on here. And Alan Cumming, who was uh, infamous in sequelizers for being. <laughs> The bad guy and son of the mask. Loki. <laughs> to, to, to tie it back round to Loki from Son of the Mask is floop in this fucking mess. <laughs> but thankfully, this isn't quite as bad as Son of the Mask. Nothing is. No, nothing oh, that's a is as bad. It's not quite Noth as bad. It's fucking leagues better than yeah. it is. It is. Yeah. It's not. It's it's weird, but it's yeah. But this there is still Citizen Kane compared to Son of the Mask. <laughs> But it, it has something, it has quite a few things in common with Son of the Mask for me. Oh, because yes. Yeah. I think it's the the attempt to be like funny and friendly for kids CG that then hits that uncanny valley type shit, mm. which makes it absolutely horrifying unintentionally. So I know those thumb monsters are bad guys, but they're traumatizing. Yeah. And to, to the point where Flooper's like, I'll have my fingers. Break your fingers. I was oh, like, it's oh that I, I have all I need to do is snap my fingers and my fingers snap you. And it's like there we go, <laughs> there we go. What a great line. Yeah. Except they're thumbs. <laughs> so it doesn't fucking work, Rodriguez. <laughs> Did you design them separately and then write the script? It was like, fuck it. I mean fingers. All be I need to do is terrifying. click my thumb. I guess I guess if you snap your fingers, you use your thumb. Yeah. Like I guess. But it's almost a really clever line. And there's so many moments like that that are like, oh, that was really almost good. <laughs> but no, no. <laughs> wow, that was almost a joke. Well, that was, that's a really clever design. Like like the um, tape Machete, their, their uncle, spoiler alert for the first mm -hmm. film. Uh, <laughs> 
full spoilers because people <laughs> care about 18 year old spoilers for films they've never seen he's like this cool designer guy and they get this little one person gyrocopter mini jet thing and stuff and like it's a neat little design it's like a very like classic sci-fi little bubble jet thing it looks really cool when it's just sat there as a prop <laughs> and then it starts moving and flying and you're like oh it looks like shit now <laughs> um, as soon as anything moves like he had all the little like third brain things from the first one and like in theory that's all fairly normal and then as tim warned me i said oh, i've just finished the first one and he's like oh boy second one gets a whole lot weirder I'm like what do you mean he's like just you wait i'm like and holy shit, were you right? <laughs> it's like almost. I love me some Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. But I refuse to do stop motion and I'm well, going to use this crap CGI instead. And, and Harryhausen has a cameo in the yeah, film. And yeah, it's yeah. literally a Harryhausen tribute. It's like Rodriguez doing his love letter to Harryhausen fucking badly. <laughs> I'm like, did it's, you. It's like if you're an artist and someone what? does a picture in it. Oh, no, let me put it this way. If you're like a literal artist for marvel or something and a small kid who's six comes up and says i drew spider-man and you say that's really good if you work on that that'd be you've got a long you know career ahead of you kid rather than that's shit <laughs> what fucking dimension is that what that's awful that's awful put that in the bin i'm disgusted you will never be an artist that's the the way i see it, unfortunately <laughs> but then yeah, there's but... three and three is the logic of being inside a video game and I think they go a little too far with the whole, yeah, but it's fine because it's in a video game. It's like, Which is mm. something we brought up in our Tron episode before. Mm. Yes. Where you could get, and we talked about, and again, talking about bad CGI, the, the Jeff Bridges, when he's a young man in the <laughs> real world with yeah. the big rubber face, like you can get away with that when he's Clue if you have it as a stylistic choice. And if you have it as when he's in Tron World, he looks like a big CGI rubber monster because it's Tron World. So of course he does. <laughs> Back to Tron World TM. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Spy Kids World? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's the fucking Disney ride or whatever. Yeah. What, what is this? The Warner Brothers? Probably. No, it's Tron um, Studio, so it would be... Mar oh, it's Miramax, it's Weinstein. Oh, yeah. oh yeah it is yeah because it opens the always first the one problems with just Miramax or always them, the problem yeah. with these films we've got to try and fix it and the wine yeah. needs to be involved <laughs> yeah but yeah and you have that like you could use that as an excuse to do like I know we, we use reboot as a reference quite a lot on the show for sure, <laughs> but to do reboot style stupid I mean, a, a lot of it graphics. is reboot quality CGI in this yes. exactly yes, and you is. could and if you have that as a stylistic choice you can get away with it a bit more. You could even stick a line of dialogue in there that says like, wow, these look like crap or these look <laughs> rubbish or whatever. I think there and is then, a line in that where he, he when is. he first goes into the computer, he goes, there oh, low shit, res. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, in so low res. If you like Ready Player One and you don't like Spy Kids 3D, fuck you. They're the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> they Literally are, yeah. the same fucking thing. There's even a race. <laughs> it's, yeah, I would gauge the yeah. race in Spy Kids 3D is more entertaining than the race in Ready Player One. <laughs> See me after class. Um, <laughs> just it's to, just a series of you have to beat this video game in order to achieve your goal, isn't yeah. it, basically? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just it's to very Ready briefly, Player One, fuck. Just to briefly touch on this, because we're progressing through Spy Kids. Mm -hmm. 
Spy Kids 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know absolutely nothing about the fourth one. Tim, what are you? How much? I, I know bits and pieces. Um, enough not I, to make it your sequel. <laughs> enough, enough to. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really read a summary of what uh, goes on it. Okay. Goes on in it. Um, I I know some of the cast, and I yeah. know that there's cameos, but it's mostly a kind of soft reboot. Yeah, essentially. So it's 2011. The film comes out. It's set several. I think it's like real time kind of thing. So mm. say for argument's sake, um, eight years later or whatever. Um, new kids. Jessica Alba plays the mum who is a spy. She's married to Joel McHale. Mm. Um, it's not a great match. Um, and she's heavily pregnant in the first scene. I actually find it a little bit funny. Um, it's the kids are actually pretty good. Most of it's like this could work effectively. There are just two or three problems. There's a lot of puns, so I really <laughs> didn't like it. Um, Amazing. I saw this in the cinema. And <laughs> my uh, God, Matthew, fuck. <laughs> That will, means... will your will your depravity reach no depth, <laughs> Matthew? Jesus Christ! I'm, I see most things, um, but at the same time, I'm trying to remember if I've almost Mandela effect my memory, where I've just filled in a <laughs> blank, or if it's actually real or not. But basically, um, spy kids all the time in the world with Jeremy Piven as, and it's so obviously Jeremy Piven's the bad guy because he's the he's the head of the OSS, but also this guy who is this at the start of the film is making off with a time bomb time device thing is Jeremy Piven with long hair, sunglasses and a crappy little beard <laughs> speaking in a squeaky voice. And it's like, Oh, so time. Right. So, so, okay. But then obviously it's not, I'm not the demographic. You need the energy and the sort of, Oh my God, he's, Oh wow. Of a kid. Cause not saying you should talk down to children, but they don't think to look for certain things. Cause I don't know the full formulas of cinema because you know, Exposure, etc., etc., etc. Now, both um, Carmen and Junie return uh, in this film briefly in some capacity. Um, but the real My understanding front... is they're not in it much. Not really. No, they're very, very small. Yeah. Small role. And but it's the... mainly Jessica Alba as like the main character. It's no, it's the kids. Oh. It's very much the oh. kids. The kids okay. and the dog, and the dog is the biggest problem. Oh, <laughs> is it some of the mask problem where the dog? The dog is a robot. Oh, God. The dog <laughs> is a robot voiced by Ricky Gervais. Ugh. What? I don't mind Ricky Gervais at times. Oh, he is no. endlessly annoying in this film. Everything he says is fucking no irritating. No shit! <laughs> and you cast Ricky Gervais as a robot dog. Of course it's going to be irritating as fuck. I mean, there's, and it's the classic cutaway punch-up bullshit where, I don't know, like, like a pod will be landing or something and then no one's doing anything. And there's no faces, so we can just sling a Ricky Gervais talking line in. They're like they got him in the booth ad libbing for twelve hours or something. And he goes, <laughs> "Oh, you know, it's it's fighting like cats and dogs," which you know I understand because cats are, <laughs> are terrible. And it's like, "Oh, fucking hell!" And it's just <laughs> mostly <laughs> drag. But I hate that already. Just from that line, the the pregnant scene, as it were, becomes there's a baby that's being carried around. She's obviously doing again. Jessica Alba is a spy. She's the 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 cool one of the family. Um, it does bring back, I think, the line of they can't be spies, they're not cool enough, kind of thing. Joel McHale is she's she's their sister, she's M Machete and Gregorio's sister, right? Oh, god, if I remember correctly, yes, I know Something. they're not her kids specifically because they're stepchildren. Um, with again, I will say this much these movies are very heavily into the core message of 
family and it does it really fucking well i don't want and i teach marin not want to be excluded etc but yeah that is one of the things that is so frustrating about the third one is that it basically apart from the grand uh, ricardo montalban uh the late great ricardo montalban as his grandfather it's basically just junie by himself it's weird isn't in it? the third one and the family basically doesn't show up until the final five minutes. Yeah. For a um, film that's supposed to be about the unity of family, and it's so surreal because they slowly get brought back in. And as, as, as Tim said, Junie is the main character until halfway through when Carmen turns up. And you're like, shit, you've been gone for like, what is this? Yeah. And, and it's the, the, the cast space that they leave is filled up with, and and I would say that the two main kids, Car- Carmen and Juni, are pretty good as far as kid actors go. They they are fine, you know. They are they're sort of early early Harry Potter quality kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but in the third one, it does feel like to go with like the Robert Rodriguez's kind of uh, you know uh, fuck it that'll do approach to filmmaking. It does feel like he's just rounded up some kids off the street and told them, hey, uh, just stand here in this green screen <laughs> while you're wearing green overalls and just react mm. to things because these three uh, beta testers that Junie encounters inside this video game are terrible. Mm. They are just, like, the worst. Uh, yeah. Cannot act. And, I mean, I don't blame them because they are young actors and it was all shot on green screen. And yeah. so that is incredibly hard to do as an actor. And so they're just, have, they're just being told like, oh, now there's a frog jumping on you. React to that. Now you're being waggled around. But, uh, you know, now your, your motorbike is flying through the air. Um, and, but they, oh my God, they're so bad. Yeah. It, it is, it's, again, it's very hard to, to, to slate kid actors too much because you think, oh, they're trying, which is like, yeah, but they got paid. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's less that it's less that you're not just bashing a child for no reason. It's a case of like you're critiquing the quality of what's been given. They may want to be amazing for fucking. And it's 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 less a critique of the child and more of the casting, where it's just yeah. like you just should have found someone better. Like yeah. it's not a child's Ooh. fault if they can't act at that age. It's your fault if you've auditioned a child position. and yeah. seen that they clearly can't act. Yeah, if you've got a, a, a prodigy who can, you know. Uh, write a symphony well done if you've just chucked a child in front of a piano and say you've got a few lessons down you perform it's like oh fuck um, so yeah J- just to round off Spy Kids 4 because this is the important part because um, 3D was a big thing at this point so how do they go you know with something new and bold 4D but not 4D as you would experience it in a, in a theme park where it's most like um an immersive Squirting thing with water on you and water stuff. and yeah, yeah and jets yeah. of air under your feet in case of rats or whatever the fuck it's going to be that kind of thing. I suppose this was jets of air in a way, wasn't it? I don't what I experienced. I got a little scratch card. Oh wow, they did it by a scratch card. Yes, because it was in aroma scope. <laughs> oh god. Very brief history here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have a lot of great experience with scratch and sniff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Unlike everyone else. If that's not the title of your memoirs, (laughs) I don't know what is. In 1995, I was 11 years old, and I don't know if you guys remember this, 
Children in Need did a smell-o-vision and you could get a card with certain newspapers or the Radio Times or something and had like certain smells. So being the 90s and things were just about picking up financially speaking, we couldn't afford tons of fucking bits of cardboard for you to sniff, you know, in a three boys family as it were and three kids. You had to share the sniffs. Um, so we got a coin and you, you get a thing on the screen where you get some awful stupid thing going on and then it'd be like a beep, 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 number three. And you go, oh, scratch number three off with a coin. You go, and you go, oh, it stinks. Of what? I don't know. It's just fucking stinks. It's just a bad smell. Just a yeah, bad they all, smell. They all smell the same. They smell like coins. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's weird because the, the, they were so cheaply made in 1995 that they kind of all smelt like this strange oniony, garlicky, farty, homogenous thing that it didn't oh, matter what you scratched off. It all stank as shit. And it was just nasty in general. Um, you know, it's like, oh, oh, there's a waft coming from this bin. Scratch off number four. <laughs> Ugh, oh, why oh. would I want to smell that? It smells like feet. Were, were any of them nice? There wasn't like a, they've just walked into a... F- I Flower think there might have been like a rose-scented like one or something yeah. along the way or something like that. Oh, so but... Tim, you're, do, you're doing a 5D picture? <laughs> this one was in a romoscope and they gave you another similar scratch card with like six things on it and there was a number that came up on the screen you scratched and had a sniff. And similar, I thought to myself, maybe things are different now. Maybe the maybe technology's t- changed. <laughs> the Elon Musk of scratch and sniff has been hard <laughs> at work on. Yeah. Pr- you know, just raising, making this work. And the same way that, you know, if you open up like a a magazine from the early 2000s, um, like a men's magazine or GQ, and you'd open up like a, a sampler, as it were, of a of a perfume yeah. on the page, and you just, the whole fucking magazine stunk of it. And you're like, fucking hell. Um, the answer is no. They they didn't. They're the same thing, and it all kind of smelled like a sort of a sort of Russian roulette fart, where everything <laughs> was a fart and the gun was fully loaded. Because um, again, you got the baby throwing up and being sick and, and shitting himself and it's like oh great what a load of fucking wonderful smells oh, God. the dog farts oh it's scratch off number four. Oh, it smells like dog <laughs> fart it's like this is this is just nasty um and I, again i don't know if they did it on any sort of home release or anything like that or uh, in any way shape or form but yeah it 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 didn't it it wasn't the revolutionary thing of like oh you're pushing the boundaries now, Rodriguez. <laughs> but then if I was a kid, I would have found... I mean, again, like I said, when I was the night... This is why I bring the 1995 example in. If I was a kid, I would have fucking loved that. That would have been the most hilarious thing in the cinema. Yeah, because a kid doesn't really, like... A kid doesn't mind if you're breaking the immersion of cinema to squint down at your piece of cardboard <laughs> when, the, when the icon comes up on the screen. Yeah. You know, and spend 30 seconds fumbling around, find your, find your 2p... Rub at the piece of cardboard, <laughs> sniff it, pass it over to your brother and go, here, sniff that, it smells like a fart. <laughs> that is literally it. And that's kind of the point. The immersion's irrelevant, it's the experience and the spectacle of it. Um, and it's the novelty. Oh, we wouldn't get this if we go to like an adult film. Uh, not adult film, obviously. But you know what I mean? A film for adults. This is like for us. It's for us kids. And, and this is where I come to the main point, as it were. Spy Kids has the energy and feels like it's written very, very uh, clearly with its target demographic in mind. I'm not saying it's written well for kids, because I think you can write for kids perfectly without dumbing down or fart jokes or whatever the fuck ever. I think in the same way that Trevorrow came out and said he wrote Jurassic World with the idea of how children see adults. Now, like, 
Right. Right. That makes a lot more sense as how that film works now, because (laughs) Claire and Owen are nonsense people. But if you think of how a kid thinks adults talk, Mm. that's it. (laughs) But that's a stupid idea because Jurassic (laughs) Park never talked down to any motherfucker. Yeah. And again, you end up getting more and more into what Can Malcolm's talking about. Can we not just about. have films where kids talk like kids and adults talk like adults? <laughs> Who had this idea where they had to write the other age from the other perspective? What a fucking terrible but that's, idea. that's the thing. I think this just comes down to how a cartoon does it. And like, you know, except for going wah wah or something like from fucking Snoopy. Um, I don't think it always works. I don't think it's always a good idea, but it's an idea he sticks to and fucking commits to and got to give him some integrity that was some sort of praise for his integrity that one i guess maybe yeah i th- i think it's worth like there's we've we've kind of alluded to like fart jokes and stuff like that but they mm. they are relatively few in this trilogy as far as i have seen like mm. there's a couple of like oh people fell in camel poo kind of jokes but they if they yeah. not to the extent of something like a son of the mask um no oh, god no uh which is which is quite thankful I have a similar kind of theory about these films. A hot, a hot take, if you will. Ooh. Uh-oh. A, a trademark Matem hot take. The Spy Kids movies are essentially like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four run. Ooh. Because it's strong focus on the family distinct visual style yeah and let's throw every single idea that i have at this film <laughs> and it doesn't matter if it doesn't work because there'll be another one along in a minute very astute i like that when you put it like that tim fair enough well also never letting go of an idea once it's proved that it works it's like okay these characters are in the first one we're going to bring them back and try and do you know do some more with them in the second one because yeah fuck it but yeah. also here's 80 other ideas like okay yeah okay uh, all the all the henchmen have magnets on their head and then they get picked up by a giant magnetic ship when it flies over <laughs> why ah uh, i don't know i thought that the visual would be funny it's like okay <laughs> she has pigtails we can use them as helicopter blades yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> so yeah, speaking of like recurring characters and stuff, going into this, I didn't even know Alan Cumming was in the first film. I was like, oh, okay, he's fine. He's the bad guy. As we said, he has the snap my fingers and my <laughs> fingers will snap you or whatever. Like, oh yeah, cool. Floop is the bad guy. And then it's like, by the end of the first one, I'm like, is he? Is he a recurring? Is he going to be back for the next one? Do we... I mean, I like Alan Cumming as much as the next guy, but do we need more? <laughs> I think did we, do, did we not say all we had to say? With <laughs> vegan not, floop in yeah, the first one. <laughs> vegan floop not had enough screen time already? And then he comes back for the second one. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's plenty of vegan floop. Thank <laughs> you. Nope, nope. He's in three. I will, I will warn you ahead of time. You I have, have stuck with that floop. motif. You have to. You have to. Um, because that's just that's what these films <laughs> I mean, are. If you're fixing the second one, I would expect you to maybe. Oh yes, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you are kind of a president has been in, set in the. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, mm. president has been set. I'm like, you can't just bin off the previous two films as much as you would like to. Yeah, <laughs> that defeats the point of sequelizing. It's a lot like either anime or, or maybe even like a soap opera, whereby um, all your enemies become your friends. Yes, that is very much like. Mm. 
Are you saying Floop is the Vegeta of the Spy Kids universe? <laughs> he's, he's Piccolo. <laughs> oh, he's Piccolo. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, because it's it's they do that thing. They do oh it's like about, you know, two thirds of the way through the the first film, it's like, oh, it turns out he's not really the bad guy. The bad guy is is Minion and yeah. Floop's just kind of like the front man for it, but all he really wants to do is entertain kids. It's like, oh, okay, so like we redeem that villain and then we've got an actual bad guy. It's like Yeah, but then Minion just keeps showing up and is now just like Yeah. Just hanging around and on their side. Mm. And then uh, Donegan Giggles, who is the bad guy, played played by Mike Judge. Mike Judge yeah. Uh, yeah. in the second one is like, oh yeah, he's he's he was the bad guy in this one. It's like, so uh, he gonna suffer any consequences? No, he's just gonna be kind of hanging around in the third one as well. It's <laughs> back to where he was. Yeah, it's like didn't didn't he try and like do a coup? <laughs> <laughs> Again, it doesn't matter because the power of friendship and family. Everyone yeah. is your family. Isn't that the message of the third film? Uh, by the way, we haven't touched on this at all. There was fairly recently a Spy Kids animated series on Netflix. Oh, on Netflix, yeah, yeah. And weirdly enough, that they're working on a um, Lava Kid and Shark Man sequel <laughs> as well. Yeah, there, there's a, se- coming a sequel next coming. Year. Yeah. Because yeah. that's exactly what we need is more... Kid-friendly Robert Rodriguez content on Netflix. <laughs> I mean... Oh, and I, I, I want to leap back, because we mentioned earlier that um, obviously Danny Trejo is in these films yes. playing a character called Machete, yes. and then uh, the uh, Alexa Penvega, uh, who plays Carmen in these films, shows up later in Machete Kills in a yes. weirdly yep. sexualized role. Yes. Right. So according to Robert Rodriguez... Those, they're, they're, those, the two universes, the Spy Kids universe and the Machete universe, are distinct. Yes. Whereas, according to Danny Trejo, Spy Kids is just what Machete does when he's not being Machete. <laughs> <laughs> See, Spy, I believe anybody who's like, oh, you know what, Planet Terror and uh, and um, Machete and Machete Girls, they're really fun films. I really enjoy their silliness and that's cool and all that shit. It's like, no, if you if you like this film or these films, I should say, and you don't like Spy Kids, again, fuck you. They're the exact same thing. They're two halves of the same coin. <laughs> but case in point, Machete Kills, especially with oh, L- Luther Voss, Voss is it? Being Mel fucking Gibson at one point yep. in a luchador mask yep. with a bomb about to or a new, uh, missile about to go off and it's like this this is somehow less grounded than Spy Kids any of them yeah. and yet for some reason I feel like this one will be more redeemable because people say yeah but you know as opposed I mean, to Spy Kids Charlie go, ah. Sheen is the president of the United States in Machete <laughs> Kills that says it all that's all Estevez. you need. So yes, he's he's credited as Estevez, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, which I love. I can't remember exactly when the Machete films come out, but you could probably track because they're they're about four or five years later. The first Machete was two thousand ten. The second one is two thousand thirteen. Okay, yeah, you've got so, there's, yeah. there's a, a Spy in the Kids in between thing. them. Yes, yes. Well, Spy, so Spy Kids, Kids four comes we, out we, between the two Machete films. Yes, but if you if you grew up on the Spy Kids films. You would your maturity level would probably be just right yeah. for when Machete comes out because you'd be like, 
seventeen or something. And yeah, because my my problem is, and obviously you two have this as well, because mm. I'm the the youngest. Mm. I am way too old for these fucking films. Well, like, how old would how old would you have been when the first one came out? I would have been ten when the first one came that's out. You would have been audience. Yeah, that's target and audience. I think I watched it and thought it. I thought it was shit. I I am the right age for these films, but I I think I might have seen the first one on DVD. Maybe. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I'm almost certain I've never seen any of these in the cinema. And I guess I must have seen the. I've definitely seen the first one before. I have never seen two, three, and mm. I still haven't seen four. I hadn't seen two or three until yesterday and today, respectively. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. No, that's not true. I've seen all of them in the cinema. Fucking hell. Um, Fuck off, <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I saw them all in the cinema. Um, I was drawn in because Ricardo Montalban is in. I can get the other. Hey, Khan! Brilliant. He's <laughs> in a wheelchair. That's sad. <laughs> Spy Kids, I was, I was too old for it. I didn't really like it at the time. I appreciated what it was. And this also was at the time where there was lots of like, how can I phrase this? The sort of Nickelodeon Disney Channel style kids do stuff. I, the Thunderbirds was done and it was kids centric yeah. and Agent Cody Banks and Thunderpants and all this other bullshit. And I'm, again, it was just like, oh, I'm too old for this. I'll mm. still watch it in the cinema because I'll watch anything, but fuck it. Then two came out and thought, oh, Steve Buscemi's in this. I fucking love Steve Buscemi. I'm like, <laughs> I, I get some of the references, but I don't like it. Um, Spike is 3D. I watched in 3D. Um, it was very uh, and it, which is uh, blue and red lenses, old school, but not old school. Yeah, but yeah. It tells you to put that, it on at 3D. certain times um, in the film. Yes, not mm. the whole way through the movie. Which I is, remember when that was a thing for the yeah. new 3D as well. <laughs> it was. It was very weird. Well, you're meant um, to. You're meant to put the glasses on when the characters have the glasses on. Essentially. Yeah. Exactly, yes. and that's fine. That was that largely. That's a clever way of doing mm -hmm. it, but also fuck off. <laughs> I don't think I've ever connected with them in the way that I've actually enjoyed them in a certain capacity. But at the same time, I've always appreciated them because I kept thinking, if I was a bit younger, when I was growing up, there were lots of TV series about this kind of thing where you know, the, almost like Harry Potter style, they're like, oh, the world you think you know just behind the thing. It's not that way, and you're part mm. of the society, and you're you're the one who has to lead us, kids. It's the it's the George Clooney. There's a perfect example of this that came out recently. It was a fucking garbage pile of a film. Was it Artemis Fowl? Artemis Fowl. I knew it was yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, which is a book I remember reading when I was younger. And you're right; it was that kind of like preteen fantasy to translate it into anime terms. Easy type <laughs> bullshit where a, a young chosen one discovers that fairies are real and they're living in a magical world and all this bullshit. Yeah. And that was really common. And I was, I kind of wanted to go on a big like rant about how bad kids' films were in the 2000s mm. because, God, there's a lot of shit around that. And you mentioned like Agent Cody Banks. Um, there's loads of this kind of like in as soon as Harry Potter became a thing, suddenly kids had yeah. to be in everything. It, inoffensive like, guff. The the Narnia films that were fucking terrible. Yeah. The the first um uh not subtle knife, what are they called? Those Golden ones. Compass. Uh, Golden Compass. Golden Compass, all that bollocks was Aragon. shortly after this. Aragon, Aragon is another one. Well exactly. they were buying yes, like young, you. young 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 adult fiction and just saying, make it the next Harry Potter. But before yeah. because I don't think this was part of that, I at all, but you're right. There was a wave of it. 
And the mm. problem is it was also going hand in hand with shit early 2000s CGI, make everything CGI. And that didn't fucking help matters. Whereas yep. in like, for example, I, again, I can't, I, I, the, without the spy, this is, this is where I will defend the films. Without okay. the technology and the pushing of things and, and uh, Rodriguez working his way around the idea of certain video game, you know, recreational sort of stuff on, on screen, Without that in, say, like, 1, 2, and 3 especially, you don't get Sin City. You don't get those really interesting, stark visuals brought to screen. I think that mm. may not be necessarily a bad thing, because, yeah, Sin City is a great film. I really enjoy it, but also it didn't change cinema. But it did have a major influence. And then The Spirit came out and nobody cared. Um, <laughs> that is a terrible film. That's a terrible film. Um, but interestingly... For me personally, I think there are a few uh, there are a few in there that really work because I think this is the, the sort of Disney Channel style thing where you had like the Hannah Montana stuff going on at the same time a little, little bit later, but you had that that energy, shall we say, that sort of mm. um, that almost like nobody talks like this. What the fuck? But it created its <laughs> own language, its own vernacular, its own its own sort of cadence, which was mm. Disney Channel Nickelodeon speak. It changed from what the '90s version was, which was a very gritty. Um, kids are to be protected, sort of, but not the mischievousness of the eighties. Like they're going to go off and smoke and drink and get in trouble and all that kind of crap. Um, or like have a stand by me adventure or whatever. Um, they're going to go on to be like you know less Goonies and Problem Child and more something like I'm trying to think of a good example from the late night. Because again, I think Matilda and Home Alone was the last of the mischievous mm. kids, and then it's starting to get more like, well, no, no, hang on, let's, let's, these kids are precious, and let's keep them safe. <laughs> One that's uh, there are obviously a few that stand out. There are a few that actually still work. I think and Spy Kids. I think for a lot of certain audience members, they're going to go, yeah, I like these movies, but I think they will have flown by a lot of other people, like, eh, because there was just too much of it, too much mm. oversaturation. And yeah, I mean, I'm quite often the kind of similar age to a lot of our listeners and sort of the mm -hmm. mid mid to late 20s to early to mid 30s kind of thing is frog spawn child fairly common demographic for us but a lot of our listeners are, are quite a lot younger than us as well in their early true, 20s true. and we've even got some teenagers who listen as well i'd be very interested to see the people who are three four five years younger than me who like maybe they saw the first one when they were seven mm. or mm. six yeah and it was like the first film they ever saw and like i mentioned the power rangers movie is the first film i ever saw in the cinema and i was like if you want to talk about Holy shit cgi shit. fucking hell <laughs> exactly yeah yeah exactly but it holds a special place in my heart because it was the Very first one i saw yeah. and i wonder if spy kids it, it's got to be that experience for someone who is slightly younger than me or just went to the cinema later it was the same age as me but only went to the cinema when they were mm. nine or ten or whatever it was I, I i think if these if these films hit you at the right time then just the sheer energy they have yes. would would endear a lot of people to it. And I think a lot of people, because there's so many striking images and weird moments in them, there will be people who have fond memories and if you ask them, like, oh, what's Spy Kids 2 about? They'd be like, oh, it's it's great. There are... Uh, um, uh, they're at a fun fair and like they have to rescue the president's daughter. And if you went to them like, yeah, that's that's the first five minutes. They'd be like, <laughs> no, I, I, that's the whole film, isn't it? And it's like, no, sit down and rewatch Spy Kids 2. Yeah. Um, Come back to me when you've got the canyon with the flying pig. Yeah, yeah there's all the fucking creepy animals. Yeah. Um, 
But you Ooh. know, like these are films meant for kids and yes. unabashedly you know, so. Yeah. Um I think it's I, I I do think like the the whole idea of like Rodriguez kind of training himself on digital filmmaking on these is really fascinating. It feels like these there's sort of um two extremes. You have James Cameron going off to make Avatar and basically just disappears for ten years. Yeah, and occasionally you'd be like, "What's he doing? Oh, he's still making his new cameras." <laughs> that was the still, bottom of the sea. <laughs> yeah, he's still he's still filming his blue people, um, <laughs> and then comes along with something that you know that even if the film isn't great, the technology that he has created yes, to, to make yes, it yes. really pushes everything forward and is then used on subsequent great films. Um, or you have this kind of film where essentially you can see Rodriguez learning how to use these tools in real time, mm. especially with the fact that they, they're made so quickly and they're made three years in a row Mm. Um, you know, in such a tight space of time, like, and then, like you say, you get Sin City, where he has taken all these tools of like how to use this, you know, digital technology and digital filming to, you know, mean that he can film a car chase by just having two people sit on a chair, mm. you know, and and shake a bit, um, and actually put it to use for some uh, greater greater purpose. I think it's like anything you, you even even in I'm not going to call him like a master of cinema in any way, shape or form, but anybody who is uh, an auteur enough that they have a distinct style mm. and a recognizable sort of flair to them, um, even a weaker film or a, a less orthodox or a less signature film, you can see the lessons they're learned being learned there being put back into something else or or something mostly when you see screenplays by by screen uh by writers where they're like ah oh, i really like this idea and it went in a film that didn't do anything i'm going to recycle it into a bigger mm. film because you know you you want that thing to make the impact you do you think it's good enough that it should make the impact um and you think no one's going to see that fuck it doesn't matter <laughs> until the pedantry of the internet comes up <laughs> but matt's um, seen it yeah i've seen everything matt knows <laughs> matt knows the shadow knows um but just as a, just as a brief segue, shall we say, there is a film. Even I mean, Jack mentioned about Shark Boy and Lava Girl being uh, a Spy Kids <laughs> four point A, whatever it is, yeah, and potentially Machete and Machete Kills also being Spy Kids four B and C or whatever, technically yeah. in the same universe. I always thought Sky High would have been part of it. It's very much in the same oh, flavor. Interesting. Um, I'm a little bit. I, I'm just assuming here. But Tim, if you don't have a crossover between Spy Kids and Sky High, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is, is that Sky High is a much better film than all of these. Eh, I, I think there's a bit of a camp. I think there's genuinely like a bit of a uh, us versus the mindset. Because I think Sky High is Disney and Spy Kids is Miramax. Yes. And I think that at one point, Disney tried to buy Miramax or something. Um, there's a whole Yeah, like, I'm pretty... Weird, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it's the same, as we mentioned earlier, the same energy. But mm. the difference is it's just a bit more grounded, a bit more Disneyfied. But it's, I, I, I would say, if anything, as much as I think that's a I think what I'm trying to get at is 
Sky High is the more polished, better version of this film or these films. Mm. But I find these much more interesting because of how bold and unique they are. And yes, okay, we obviously need a bit more uh, stuff to just push cinema forward and be, you know, functional mm. and good. But sometimes you do need a place for a wacky bastard just to do some wacky bastard shit. Yeah. I think Spy Kids is a really solid market. Anything that can make a kid go, that was cool. I really like that. I like the bit when this happened and the kids were the main folk. Yeah. And when, again, I can't stress this enough. Agent Cody Banks and Agent <laughs> Cody Banks 2 are wank. <laughs> they are not good yeah. films. Fuck the Agent Cody Banks movies. They're terrible. Yeah. But I think if you were to, if you were to say to me, like, you have to show one of these films to somebody and give a talk on it and explain why they're good. There is no way I'd pick Agent Cody Banks. It would be Spy Kids every time because yeah. of the fact that it's unique and bold and 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 it 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 doesn't punch down with its comedy as much. I know you said about like you know the fart jokes in four and stuff and most and the fucking talking robot dog and stuff, but predominantly it doesn't. Um, mm. Also, Spy Kids 3D mech suits. Um, <laughs> I'm just gonna say this. Uh, play the play the jingle, the mech suit jingle. There isn't one. Okay, fine. Um, basically. The mech his suits. name is Matt, and he loves mechs. It's <laughs> Matt and his mech suits. That's me. Thanks, Jack. <laughs> um, I don't like the mech suits in this at all. I think they're nonsense. Whoa! I, I don't like them because they're just hot take from the king of mech suits. <laughs> there's there's no cockpit. It's a platform you stand on. I don't like that. Um, and I don't like the. Does that make it an exosuit rather than a mech suit, Matt? No. Like the like the exo in the exosuit in Aliens. Is that a mech suit? <laughs> <laughs> No comment. Like, get away from her, you bitch. Giant um, that's technically a mech suit, thing. I think. Yes. Oh, it's a pa- it's interesting. A, but then there's a car a mech suit. No. Um. So, Ricardo Montalban is in a in a you know power suit, effectively with his like what do they call it? Uh, like, super legs or something. Super shit. legs, yeah. <laughs> super legs, yeah. Mega so, legs. Mega legs. Yeah. It's it's literally like what would a child write? So we want to get some. It's um. There's a comic called Axe Cop. We mentioned in the past, I think mm. possibly. Um, written by two individuals of various ages. They're, they're brothers, aren't they? I believe is that correct? Yeah, I think yeah. so. And you know, it's like one of the he's he's a comic artist and writer, and his kid brother. And he says, "Okay, well, what should we do? We should do a story. What what's it about? Axe cop. Okay, what's he? It's a cop who has an axe. Great. And who's he gonna fight? T Rex. Fucking great. Let's write it down. <laughs> and it's just that kind of manic energy. You're like that makes mm. complete sense. How <laughs> mega legs? You know. Anyway, so it's just them staying on a platform. And Junie's against this other uh, opponent who's a woman. Oh, sorry, that's the key problem. It's a girl, but rather than the suits being just these things, it's like, ah, her robot has boobs. <laughs> Don't know how I feel about that. That's kind of weird. Uh, we've literally not mentioned Sylvester Stallone, by the way. We haven't mentioned... Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. Sylvester Stallone's... Because they're <laughs> sorry, multiple. Yes, yes. <laughs> The, the Stallone clones, if you will. Oh, my God. Because fucking the toy maker is garbage. He's, <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean, not to reference Blade Runner again. Everybody drink. But, like, he's just, he, I just hate this concept of, like, the tinkerer and the toy master and all this shit where it's like, oh, he builds his army of robots and then he's going to take over the world. We've seen well, that. I mean, that was literally the thought of Spy Kids 1. <laughs> Except there were thumbs and children. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And 
as much shit as I give Alan Cumming for being um, maybe the worst film ever made, yeah. at least Floop is kind of more entertaining in the first one than fucking Sebastian, <laughs> the toy maker, which is a Blade Runner reference, everybody. Yeah, it is, yeah. Because he's Sebastian, the toy maker. Yeah. Because Rodriguez is clever. I, I, I would say, just just on the, on the subject of, of, of Stallone, I can't think of a single actor in these movies that I would say or be able to point to and say, that fucker's phoning it in. They don't want to be here. <laughs> Even if you get like, oh, by the way, we're filming all the Lord of the Rings films. Just get me Elijah Wood for five minutes to be oh, the guy. Elijah Wood is great. <laughs> He's just, terrible, but brilliant. I'm the guy. And, it's like, and, and I, I love the idea that he, he did this and Kevin from Sin City in the same day. Yep. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, I'm mates of Robert Rodriguez, uh, so I'm in the faculty. I'm a, I'm a like a cannibalistic mute assassin, <laughs> and the guy, the guy. in Spy Kids three. <laughs> yeah, I've done my three perfect roles yeah. with Robert Rodriguez. <clears throat> the trifecta is complete. Exactly, the Rodriguez trifecta. I would say personally, it is a standout testament to any creative individual that you have people clamoring to work with you on multiple occasions um and nolan is unfor is an example of that for example just just as a, an individual people who've worked with him before very rarely have bad things to say in 2020 at time of recording who knows the future because <laughs> no one is safe because they're all True. monsters everyone's a monster but people want to come back and they're like I would love to be in a new... I mean, I remember before he died, Robin Williams was like, I desperately want to work with Nolan again. I'll be anything. I'll be really... Whatever you want, man. Just give me a call. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And to have that level of... And just having to unfortunately say, I'm so sorry, dude. I'll, I'll get you in somewhere or something. Or just something. You know, when you've got so many projects on the go and whatever. I mean, I kind of love that. I kind of I I love the idea that you have this knit group of like, can we get George Clooney to come in and play the president at one point? And it's so stupid and so self-aware and so silly, but it's like, yeah, good, fuck it. And and to just go, yeah, I'll do that. And I know that you have like, um, I think Tarantino has a similar thing. I was like, because I know Tarantino and Rodriguez are very close, etc. But there are so many people like who just happen to crop up. Uh, let's take Rob Zombie, for example. He has such an affection for Grindhouse movies um, that he will get so many actors on board from that whole ilk. And he has fun doing what he's doing, making the very specific niche of films that he's making. He's not trying to make it to someone else's budget. He has such a love for a specific style mm. and a specific aesthetic, and he doesn't give a fuck about anyone's approval of it. And I genuinely think that's Rodriguez. And I would say my frustration is the further we get into the 2010s and now the 2020s and stuff, I see less and less and less of that. And it really upsets me because I did not like Alita Battle Angel. I did not like it. As someone who likes the, both the, the manga and the animated film. Oh, I don't like it as someone who likes Rodriguez's stuff. I love the fact that the set is real, apparently. Most of the set was built. It was very little CGI. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff to like. Apart from her face. Yeah, there's <laughs> that bullshit. Um, there's a lot to like and a lot to hate. Um, and, and the fact that it didn't end, by the way. The, uh, just spoilers for you guys when you see that film. <laughs> it doesn't end, it just Aaliyah stops. It doesn't, doesn't end, it just stops. Yeah. Um, with a weird cameo. And you're like, what? What? Um... <laughs> Uh, since it aimed for Killful, uh, and we'll, we'll definitely have to come back to aim to Killful as part of a future sequelizers, but 
Mm, just make yeah, it definitely. earlier and a little bit better and it's fine. But 2014, it's too fucking late. And he's been trying to get Barbarella off the floor for forever. And it's it's frustrating because I don't think he's made an actually solid, really good, great film. Hang on, let me just do the maths here. For a long Since fucking Sin time. fucking City in 15 yeah. years. Mm. That's insane. Because in the 90s, I can't stress, I mean, yeah, okay. Eh, once upon a time, Mexico's fine. But the faculty is so fucking good. From Dust Till Dawn, so fucking good. Desperado is so fucking good. The Spy Kids films, arguably, fucking good. And, and we haven't touched this. All the Spy Kids films are made for pittance in terms of like, you know, yes. huge Hollywood budget. And all of them made bank. They all made money. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but even arguably Spy Kids 4, which didn't do great, it made more money than, I want to say, maybe both Cody Banks films. Um, <laughs> And that's kind of the thing. Almost, almost certainly, yeah. It's it's, and I keep bragging on Cody Banks. There's no particular reason. I just think it's another like kind of a spy of the time, uh, and it is shit. Um, uh, so Spy Kids Four was a budget of twenty seven million and a box office of eighty five point six. Yeah. It's not crazy, but it's it's fine. Also twenty seven the... million, and the amount of people he gets actor wise for like five minutes is yeah crazy. Again, because he uh, because he's working so quickly. Yeah, you know, you know that half the people in this film shot their stuff in like two days. Um, Almost identical budget of twenty-eight million for the first Agent Cody Banks, which made fifty-eight point eight at the box office. The ugh. second Cody Banks was twenty-six million, with a budget with a box office of twenty-eight point eight. I mean, that's like did not been, the second one did not make its money back. No. The first one is bad enough. The second one. Is worse. Let's go to London. Uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. how you solve every problem. Every good sequel goes to fucking London. I think one of the main kids is S, someone from S Club 7. I can't remember. Anyway. Uh, it's Hannah from S Club 7. Fucking yeah. hell. Native of Galston. <laughs> fucking hell. That's... Norfolk's own. So we've rambled on for long enough about these films and we certainly have. how <laughs> odd they are. Uh, we should get on with fixing them. But before we do that, it's time for a little commercial breakdown. Our first sponsor this week is Stitcher Premium. Uh, you know Stitcher Premium, almost certainly. You know Stitcher. It is the dedicated podcast app there for listening to all of your favourite shows. And with Stitcher Premium, you can get access to them ad-free. And you also get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. A wonderful app, the best, probably the best way to listen to podcasts, uh, and f you can get Stitcher Premium for just four ninety nine a month, or thirty four ninety nine a year, and we're going to give you a month free by you just going to stitcher.com slash premium, signing up, and using the promo code Sequelizers, written just like it looks on your podcast in front of you. Right now, look down. No, not there. That's right. That's how you spell it. Why are you the old spice guy? <laughs> <laughs> if you go to your homepage past your uh, uh, Alexa Vega home screen and just <laughs> scroll through to the icon, are we, are we saying off people's home devices by keep saying Alexa <laughs> Vega? Playing, Alexa, search Spike It. Playing Vega by. <laughs> <laughs> and our second advertiser, if you want to be a Spy Kid, 
then you need to be in shape. And today's episode is presented by Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is a transformative way to work out. It has a mission to help you feel your best. Each expert instructor brings their signature method directly to you wherever you are in the world via Zoom. When you take a Sweat Connected class, you're able to interact with your instructor and the other participants in the class, just like you would in a live studio experience. Whether you've been a group fitness participant for years or are just a newbie, you will feel at home and at ease with Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is exclusively offering our listeners 50% off their first class by going to sweatconnected.com and using the code POD, that's code POD, P-O-D, at sweatconnected.com for 50% off your first class. Sweat Connected for all levels, all ages, all sizes, and all humans. That's worrying at the end. I, I um, lockdown, and I feel like I haven't had my little commute, so I feel like I, I do need some exercise. That's actually quite helpful. Zoom workout sounds also, like a good idea. Yeah. Spy Kids very much, I don't know a lot of things as well, but it very much approves of the showing shit on screens, um, like as a group thing. So <laughs> yeah, I feel that's a, a nice link to today's episode. So before we launch into the actual fix, let's take a look at what the critical mindscape has uh, has decided with our standard look at Rotten Tomatoes. There's a lot of pressure on me at the minute, actually. How, how, how so? Because good, good question, Tim. Uh, because Jack's had a clean sweep, Tim's had a clean oh. sweep. It's episode three. The pressure is yeah. on, see. Now I've highlighted it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking to bin this completely. So, as previously mentioned, there are four Spy Kids films. Yes. Let's go through them in order. Oh, okay. Okay. Spy Kids, the first. The original. Fucking hell. Um, what, what are I... we thinking? I said I don't like this film. I don't think that many people liked it either. I don't think any of these films are going to be particularly high. We're not going to be looking at a, and we could be the third one's the worst, but it's not. <laughs> as I like to say, the the classic sequel is fifty percent drop. We're not going from like a ninety percent to a forty percent or an eighty percent to a thirty percent. I don't think. I don't sure, think sure. any of these films reach those heights. I am going to go for. Uh, I think mid sixties would work, so I'm going to say sixty six, just as a nice round number. Matthew, I'm going to use my anecdotal stuff and gauge my reaction over time. Uh, not my reaction personally, but people around me. So I think they did really fucking well to start with. At least I want to say at least high seventies, so mm. seventy eight. Okay, on to Spy Kids. The Island of Lost Dreams, which it never explains in the film why it is the Island of Lost Dreams. No, it doesn't. As with so many parts of that film, nothing is explained. It's just (laughs) a thing happens and then we move on. Jack. Um, I'm going to go for... It's worse. It's worse than the first one for sure. It's definitely worse. they They gradually get worse. Mm-hmm. So, oh, like a twenty-five percent drop-off. So, 
early 40s. I'll go 42, please, Tim. And Matthew. I'm very torn because I think uh, there's a combination <laughs> I think there's a combination of critics going, eh, same as the first one. Fucking stupid. So I don't it, it is genuinely difficult because I think there's a combination of like it's the same shit, but the ending is just a little too bizarre. <laughs> you might have gone it it's a little too weird, but they might have gone, I love the Harry House. Okay, so I said 78. I'll say it's a drop, but not a bigger drop. I'll say 65. For that one. Okay. 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 Spike Kids 3 hyphen D. Game over. Hyphen D. <laughs> it's what it is. There's a hyphen Fucking there for hell. no reason. That's not how the phrase 3D works. Um, like people who put apostrophes for pluralizing things and try to think. There's, a, there's a hyphen there because it's an extra bit of text that can fly out of the screen at you. Whoa! 3D. Hyphen, spelt wrong, is high fun. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, worse again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go 30, please. 60, 40, 30. Um, yeah, this one I remember not being good. None of them are good, Matthew. <laughs> Every time I have to tell I, I, you. Again, critically speaking, critically speaking. Um, I remember uh, the people that had enough at that I'm point. I'm so worried it's going to be like 90, 85, 90, 90, 90. <laughs> like, yeah, they're all like in the 80s. I'm going to be fucking, fucking pissed hell. off. What were we pissed off? Oh, the Blade films. That was what we were really pissed off at the Blade films. Pissed off with Blade. If these are higher pissed rated the than the fucking Blade films, <laughs> my God, I'm going to have words, okay. Hollywood slash critics. I'm, I'm going to say to warrant us doing the episode as it were have to be a drop have to be a drop it's, be bad, one, so. it's bad it's fucking bad so what I, I said 65 didn't I uh fuck it 40 40 and finally Spy Kids colon all the time in the world in 4D all the oh, time God. in the world is there um we've got all the time in the world for <laughs> love is that the theme song to it is that what that's based on? No. Okay. Uh, what did I say last time for the third one? I just remember the dance at the end of Spy Kids 2. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I did put the batteries in. <laughs> uh, what did I say for three, please, Tim? What was my uh, uh, rating for three? You said 30 for three. Okay. Uh, let's go. Let's keep going, man. Let's keep going. I assume this is worse. Matt said, oh, yeah, it's worse. So, 20. It was worse. <laughs> It's going to keep knocking them down. 60, 40, 30, 20. Yeah, this was bad. I would have said 20. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Shit. Okay, if your rating's 20, then my rating's zero. <laughs> then the way I ask it. I'm sticking um, with 20 in that room. No, 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 no. That's fine. <laughs> I don't think enough people saw it or reviewed it or cared to, to make it low. I don't know. I don't know. It's really. Okay, okay, fuck it. Um. 25? Um, no, okay. No, I want to go as close to 20 as possible. Tw 21. <laughs> <laughs> Price is right rules. Just... Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I'm expecting this to be like a 12. Hey, Matt. What up? I fucked it. <laughs> you just squeaked a clean sweep. Oh! <laughs> it's not, it's not oh! 22 for the last one, is it? We'll get there. 
Oh, okay. Oh, so just, hell. just a, no, no. The last one is eighty-five. Yeah. <laughs> just, Shit, yes. Just, just a reminder from uh, our earlier episode. The original Blade, fifty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, which no, is an outrage. Tim, you're setting me up for heartbreak here. Was Blade two fifty-seven or something? Something like that. Yeah. Yes. Spike it. Outrage. Ninety-three percent. Fuck. Come on. Oh my god! No, no, sorry, ninety-three. Ninety-three. Holy like shit. Shawshank Redemption and Pulp Fiction <laughs> and shit. As always, caveat, ladies and gentlemen, if this is the first episode you're listening, we are aware it is an aggregate mm. thing. It just says everything above average. And to be fair, I can imagine most people saying this is an above-average film. Mm. So I, I, I will kind of get I it. I will go also, through oh. the audience scores afterwards because they make a very interesting comparison. Mm. Oh, um, okay. Spy Kids two. Jack, you said 42. I did. Matt, you said 65. Yeah. 75 yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes. Spy Bloody Kids hell. 2 Bloody is hell. higher than Blade 2. Yep. Fuck off. Is that dancing? Spy Kids 3D? Like, like 70 at this rate. Fuck Well, hell. going from the first <laughs> to the third, we have Jack's favourite standard sequelizer drop. Finally, this has got forty-five percent okay, on okay. That that fits. And then Spy Kids, all the time in the world in four D. Jack, you said twenty. I did. Matt, you said twenty-one. Twenty-two percent. Fuck off! <laughs> come on. I toy, I toyed uh, with twenty-five, and I'm glad I didn't go with it. Fucking hell! Um, oh, well, that's well played. I mean, so Twenty-two well played. makes sense for that one. I and and just fair. to go through the audience scores on these, because they, they, yes, I'm so, curious. Are they more accurate to my predictions? Probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Spike it's one. Forty-six percent. Fucking hell! Spike it's two. Thirty-nine. Yeah. Spike it's three D. Gets the worst rating with twenty five. Okay. Oh, okay. And Spy Kids four uh, gets thirty seven, so just a bit worse than the second one, according to Weird. Rotten Tomatoes audience raters. Da- dare I Very ask? Uh, what about un- Uncle Machete? Uncle Izzy? Wonder what he got? <laughs> uh, oh, the Machete films. Yeah. I I think low. I would say. Lower than the first three Spy Kids films. Uh, have a quick look. The f- wow, wow. The first is Machete worse than all four Spy Kids? Thirty percent. Holy crap! I mean, I actually don't necessarily agree. Um, and uh, what is that? Sorry, that's Machete Kills. That's the second one. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. The first one is let's go down here. Oh, this is a, this is sequelizer territory right here, baby. Seventy two percent for the that first machete, and thirty for the second what one. What the fuck? Well, future episode of sequelizers, machete kills right there. We're returning to the Spy Kids universe. If I you believe I'll Danny Trejo, I think that's I think that's a case of like this was funny once, but I have no need to see yeah. the same joke yeah. again. Correct. But with added Mel Gibson. <laughs> that is weird, man. I'm not surprised, but I'm also kind of surprised. So, having established that Spy Kids 3D is definitely where the rot sets in, even though hmm. these are odd 
ducks of films that it's it's hard to identify the rot on them. What a diplomatic way of putting that, Tim. But uh, <laughs> but the third one is definitely a turn for the worse. Uh, it certainly is. It was up to me to attempt to fix uh, fix these, and I took. I think after your success with Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and your family, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Sequels. Yeah. I'm hoping you could pull pull some gold out of this pile of crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I yes, I did. I I, I was I did have that in mind. I was like, oh, there's a lot lot of pressure here. Um, um, fan favorite pitch, Matt's favorite pitch from that season as well. Yeah. Like, I liked it. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was, uh, I, don't, I don't think I've got quite the same... Uh, Are you doing a sequel hit. as doing a bad sequel to I mean, It's a bad sequel pitch. to the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crossover and a bad sequel. Um, but there were, there were two things right from the jump that I knew I had to do. One was I pushed the film back a year. Uh, Ooh, so it's okay. not being made in the space of like four months from yeah. start to finish. Uh, and also, it's not in fucking 3D. Thank <laughs> the Lord. I don't think that would impact on anything like his uh, release schedule in any way, shape, or I think you'd probably find there. Because one of these, you're like, oh, because again, he does run a tight ship, mm. and oh, it's like, yeah, but he can probably get it done. Yeah. It'd be fine. There's the, it, it might push Sin City back by a month or something. Mm. Yeah. Precisely. And even then, it's like, oh, this is the thing we always talk about in sequel is like, in the Future World episode, the last episode mm. last week, um, I almost put Sean Young in the film. Um, I was like, oh, she's coming off like Blade Runner and Dune. That's a lot of stuff to go. That's fine in a Rodriguez film. Yeah. You could literally, there's never any problem because it's like, can we have Elijah Wood? Well, he's very busy working on The Lord of the Rings. Don't matter. I need him for like 10 minutes yeah. via Zoom <laughs> or something. Whatever the equivalent was at the time. No, it's fine. Yeah. I don't. You don't. You don't yeah. even need to film all of him. You just need to film his head, and I'll CGI a body onto him. Bring me the face of Elijah Wood <laughs> and the head of John the Baptist. Thank, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Rodriguez. Uh, so yes. So I've pushed it back to two thousand and four. Yes. Uh, and given that it's no longer in three D, I've of course needed a new title. Uh, oh shit! Just, just game. Are over. you including the number three? I am not. No, because the second one doesn't have two in it. I don't believe. I don't think it's uh, called Spike Kids Two: The Island Lost Dreams. It might be. It's Spike Kids Two. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's Fuck. not hard to say Spike Kids. Yeah. Three or something, but yeah. Uh, the fast, the Fast and the Furious can can completely mess with its format of titling every two time. Kids. Uh, don't, don't don't be bringing them up as a good thing, Tim. <laughs> hey, they're both all about family. We'd have like Tim. Spi- I stand corrected. <laughs> and the the fate You've of the kids. You've also added another thing. If you like Hobbs and Shaw, you don't like Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> it's the same film. It's all the same film. Um. Yes. So this is Spy Kids Operation Hourglass. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Sounds quite spy y, that makes sense. Um, we are, of course, maintaining Robert Rodriguez as director, cinematographer, s- score, editor, yeah, etc. 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 Hat Wrangler. Yeah. I can't um imagine these directed by anyone else, if I'm honest. I know you could always like say, well, somebody could like no 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 no. no. This has to be Rodriguez. Yeah. Um returning cast, quite a lot. 
as as <laughs> is the nature of these films. Of so, uh, Carmen and Juni, uh, played respectively by Alexa Vega and uh, Daryl Sabara. We are, of course, also bringing back uh, their parents, Gregorio, played by Antonio Banderas, and Ingrid, played by Carla Gugino, and their uncle, Isidore Machete Cortez, played by <laughs> Danny Trejo. Uh, the Giggles are back. From oh, the yeah. second film, Gary Giggles, played by Matt O'Leary, Gertie Giggles by Emily Osmond, and Donegan Giggles, played by Mike Judge. The weirdest, <laughs> possibly the weirdest bit of casting in these films. You're bringing back yeah. the bad guys from the previous films to make them into the... Yep, makes sense. And not just from the previous film, but from the first film as well. We also have Fegan Floop, played by Alan Cumming. Hey, Floop's back. Mm-hmm. Alexander Minion, played by Tony Shalhoub. Uh... Cheech Marin, who plays Uncle Felix Gum, even though he's not really their yep. uncle. I'm not really your uncle, kids. Rips <laughs> <laughs> off his mustache. Um, and we are also bringing back for for quite a brief role Steve Buscemi as Romero. Hey. Mm. Um, Do you think God stays in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> Such a great line. It's like, what is this doing in Spy Kids? This feels like a Star Trek yeah. line from a crazy admiral who's hijacked a ship. Coming soon to a sequel, I suspect you. Um, and our new cast as Hacko Lantern. I love it already. I love it. Hang on, hang on. I don't want to. I don't want to make any assumptions. Is this a Halloween film? I was uh, say, it is, is, it, is it? Is it a crossover with Hackers? Tim's favorite film. Uh, <laughs> it's not a Halloween film. It's not a crossover with Hackers. But I have used some Hackers in the casting here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As of course, you fucking uh, Hacko yeah. Lantern. Matthew Lillard. Yes. Oh, God. Shaggy himself. The the D&D nerd. (laughs) Matthew Lillard. This is is actually some retained casting from Spy Kids 3D. Oh, okay. Yes, it is. Uh, She shows up for about 40 seconds at the start of Spy Kids 3D. Selena Gomez uh, in my film is playing oh, the fuck, princess. Yeah, she does. Yeah. She's in the amusement park. She's tiny. Oh, no, she's in the queue, yeah. sorry, or something. Uh, the water park. That's it. Yes. Guess, yeah. Bloody hell. Um, as Cortex, I have Leif Schreiber. Always love Leif Schreiber. Always good show. Making um, his return from my Wolverine pitch as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the same character. As Dog Logan meets Machete. <laughs> <laughs> As Arturo Diabolique. Oh, nice. Christopher Walken. Very nice. Now we're talking. Are you channeling some welcome to the jungle energy here, too? <laughs> I'm channeling every Walken energy. <laughs> Considering that uh, Christopher Walken's been... Uh, I mean, he's not John Voight in the news, because John Voight being a prick as usual. Yeah. But um, Wild Mountain Time oh, yeah. trailer <laughs> with uh, Christopher Walken... Hello, I'm Irish. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I mean, he's done it before, to be fair, in Last Man Standing, but correct. Yes. Um, I, have, I haven't written it into the script that he dances, but he's definitely dancing. He's going to dance. Uh, in this film. He can't help himself. Uh, and then finally, playing the role of Turnip, <laughs> John Turturro. Nice. I mean, I, I always love some John Turturro. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Turnip is interesting. I'm being very curious to see where this goes. But then equally, I should point out 
these names are fantastically Rodriguez. They fit in the they universe. They really do, perfectly. yeah. And yeah. the casting is also really good. And you know they're now committed for the next nine spikes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, it says Matthew Lillard at this point is also shaggy, right? He is, that, yes. Yeah, this why, era yeah. where he's an incredibly, incredibly sexual Scooby-Doo film. Yes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these people actually have previous Rodriguez connections um, because yeah. uh, Walken obviously kind of connects through Tarantino stuff and yes. uh, Rodriguez also directed uh, the Stab uh, movie within a movie in Scream for, for 2, Scream two? Uh, which yeah. has uh, obviously Lillard was in the first one Lars the killer. Yes. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, and uh, Lee Schreiber is in, I think, two and three. He is Cotton Weary. Yes. He's in the. F- Might be in the first, first one as well. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Good point. Anyway, there's. Does not there, matter. There, I, I, I thought as as Rodriguez likes to kind of keep it in the family, so to speak. I was like, let's let's find some some connections to some people. Let let's just let's just throw this out here for a second because I think this is a thing we need to cover in the way that sequelizes is. Fun, silly awesomeness, but also we have to acknowledge mm. history every now and again. These are Miramax films. Mm. Weinstein's involved. Yes. Ugh, that could mean all kinds of horrible things. Without being too flippant, Lillard's involvement in Scream, um, Shriver's involvement in Scream, Walken being with Tarantino stuff. Mm. These are people who worked on Miramax films before, yeah. the history of that sort of stuff. I'm not saying that makes everything all right. I'm not saying the trustees are done. I'm just saying, and, and, and it sounds like we're saying, well, why are we even bringing it up? It's like, because you need to breathe these things. You need to address these things yeah. sometimes. Because the environment we're bringing these actors into is arguably a hostile one. Except I would say it's hard to gauge because Rodriguez is very much a protective director. But who the fuck knows? Nobody genuinely knows anything. One, but... one would hope, uh, in the same way that like when Taika Waititi was making uh, Thor Ragnarok, he was like, I get yeah. away with everything because I'm down in Australia and no executives want to come visit me. Like The yes. fact that... Uh, Rodriguez has his own little operation in San Antonio where it's all filmed there. He's doing everything himself. Yeah. He's not costing the studios that much money, so there's not those pressures. Yeah. Give you some money, get the fuck out of my face, yeah, and just, hope, I'll come back to me with some success. Hopefully yeah. it's... Yeah. Hopefully everyone's safe. Away yeah. from some of the toxicity of Los Angeles. Yeah, precisely. And it sounds like it's, it's a thing that needs to be uh, regrettably addressed, yes. at least. Yeah. Anyway, on with the pitch. The film opens with Carmen and Junie in a digital landscape that resembles a high-tech racetrack. From Reboot? <laughs> Pretty much. From AKA I, Trump, I thought the racetrack I, I thought the race parts of, of Spy Kids 3D were the best bit of that. And so I decided to yeah. reuse it at the beginning here, basically. It it moves fast and it's silly and it's enough to go, it's cartoony, it's fine. Yeah. Carmen is riding a sleek futuristic motorcycle with a single rear wheel while Junie is in a dune buggy with a large articulated claw arm. The pair are pursuing Hacko Lantern, a notorious pumpkin-headed hacker who is driving in a skeletal dragster and who has captured a girl wearing a princess costume. They chase him, attempting to retrieve the princess as they fight off his globlin henchmen and avoid various hazards. Carmen gets close to rescuing the princess, but starts to second-guess which gadget she should use, and while she is distracted, Hacko Lantern destroys her vehicle and she disappears. I would genuinely love it if surreptitiously every single one of our pitches this season is Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> a car chase ensues. <laughs> <laughs> 
so what do you guys think of my pitch? I was like, was that it? Yeah, told you, car chasing yeah, series. Spy Kids, Fury Road. You fill in the blanks. Uh, At the OSS headquarters, Carmen disconnects from the virtual reality system they've been using to chase Hacko Lantern. Her father checks she's okay, and then the pair continue to monitor Junie's attempts to catch the hacker. In VR, Junie manages to destroy Hack's vehicle and grabs the princess, but Hacker Lantern disappears before Junie is able to find out who the mysterious hacker truly is. The princess offers Junie a kiss, which he bashfully accepts. Hey, I've given you a bit of action there, Junie. My boy right there. <laughs> and as she smooches him, the princess dissolves into computer... Oh, thanks, Tim. <laughs> well, he's, he's with the president's daughter. That's so, you true. Know. That is true. That's true. The princess dissolves into computer code. Junie exits the VR program, and Gregorio explains that the hack was attempting to steal Princess, P-R-I-N-C-E-S-S, the personal reality interface neural control and electronic <laughs> spying system, a new operating system for the OSS's spy gadgets. Gregorio takes Carmen aside to debrief her, and Junie goes to join them, but Gregorio reminds him that he's no longer an official OSS agent. While the organization has hired him to work on a few missions, he's technically an independent contractor. Junie quips that he has the best of both worlds. All of the excitement, but none of the homework. But as Carmen and Gregorio walk off, we see a look of disappointment cross his face. Carmen and Gregorio meet up with Ingrid at the OSS Tech Labs for a demonstration of the newest spy gadgets. Gary and Gertie Giggles show off the new devices created by Diabolique Industries, cheered on by their father Donegan, who is now working as a janitor at the OSS. <laughs> the Cortezes and Giggles are both impressed by the quality of the gadgets and offer their thanks to Arturo Diabolique, the creator of the devices, who is explaining how they work via video chat. Carmen gathers up a set of the new gadgets and heads to her spy classes, where she is preparing to take her OSS alpha level exams. At the treehouse, Junie chats with Ralph and his spider monkey lamenting how bored he is and that his private investigation business hasn't taken off. With the rest of his family busy at the OSS, he roams the empty house, making himself a gargantuan sandwich and watching an episode of Floops Fooglies until it is interrupted by an emergency message for the Cortez family. A shadowy figure claims that Diabolique Industries isn't all that it seems, and asks Carmen, Gregorio and Ingrid to investigate. Annoyed that even the transmission doesn't want to include him, Junie decides to sneak into Diabolique Industries himself. I noticed you didn't give uh, Donegan Salma Hayek as his <laughs> wife in, <laughs> in this one. Yeah. Just janitorial broom for exactly. him. Exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, you, 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 tr you try and steal uh, classified technology, you don't get rewarded with Salma Hayek. Yeah, that seems like a, a, a link. At the OSS, Carmen is practicing for her exams in the VR simulator under the careful watch of Felix Gum. While she demonstrates all the necessary skills needed, she hesitates at several key moments, trying to decide on the perfect solution to each problem. Finishing the spy skills course, Felix informs her that she was 10 seconds too slow to achieve alpha level, but tells her the practice makes perfect. She's preparing to run the assault course again when a new assignment arrives via robot messenger. It's not Ricky Gervais as a dog. It's is not, it? no. Stephen Merchant is a cat. <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily um, adverse to that. That's Wheatley in the Portal 2 is amazing, so Carl maybe it'll Pilkington work. as a hamster. <laughs> Fucking hell. She and Gertie have a mission to infiltrate the Academy of Kid Artists and investigate strange occurrences there. Junie travels to his Uncle Machete's workshop for equipment and listens to him complain 
that since Diabolique Industries arrived, Junie is his only customer. Junie borrows Machete's Aqua Glider and travels to the Diabolique Industries factory, which is located at the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. Junie sneaks into the underwater facility and observes the gadget production line, where a large machine scans gadgets, declaring them either functional or rejected. The functional gadgets are packaged up ready for the OSS, while the rejected ones are taken away on a conveyor belt that leads elsewhere. Junie continues to explore the facility and finds Arturo Diabolique interrogating a man with an eye patch and a robotic arm who he appears to be holding prisoner. As Diabolique demands to know who the man has contacted, Junior realises the man is the one who sent the message to his family. When Diabolique is called away by his assistant Turnip, Junie sneaks into the cell and attempts to free the captured man, who seems shocked when he notices Junie. He attempts to get Junie to leave him alone, and when Junie touches the man's arm while freeing him, the pair are zapped, as if by a powerful static charge. Junie asks the man who he is, and the man responds, Cortex. Carmen and Gertie arrive at the Academy of Kid Artists, disguised as prospective students. I assume with berets. Yes. Of course. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good, Tim. It's good. It's spiky. Well, that bit in the first one when they walk out of the shop just like dressed as cool people with the tuxedos and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just arrive. <laughs> While Gertie distracts their tour guide, Carmen sneaks into a forbidden area and finds Turnip dressed as a school nurse, <laughs> feeding the students <laughs> with Diabolic Industries helmets. That supposedly help them focus. Sign me up for some John Turturro as a nurse, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's better than him getting pissed on by Bumblebee. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm up first. Yeah. Carmen manages to steal one of the helmets and re rejoins Gertie. Gertie volunteers to test the helmet, and Carmen discovers that it makes her dull and listless, and that it is transmitting some kind of data via a satellite. The pair take the helmet and leave the academy, looking for a way to track the helmet's signal. In the undersea base, Junie and Cortex take out a group of robotic guards. Junie wants to take Cortex back to the OSS so he can explain what's going on, but Cortex is insistent that they destroy the base while they have the opportunity. The two bicker and are forced to flee when more robotic guards find them. Escaping in the aqua glider, Junie asks Cortex who he is and how he was able to access the family's emergency contact system. Cortex explains that he and Diabolique are from 25 years into the future. Diabolique travelled back through a time rip and is using his futuristic tech to become rich. Did you say, so very briefly, you haven't seen much about Spy Kids 4, right? No. Interesting. It has time travel it's not a, shit. It's it? not slight, but there's a lot of that shit yeah. going on. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> What's more, he's dumping all the dangerous rejected gadgets back through the time rip while they are devastating the Earth of the future. Cortex travelled back to stop him, but after sending his message, he was caught by Diabolique and his robots. Junie pushes for an answer as to how Cortex knew how to contact Carmen and the rest of the family, and Cortex reveals he is actually Junie from the future. Fucking hell, son. He tells Junie that in the future, Diabolique destroyed the OSS by making all their gadgets malfunction, and only he was left to oppose the inventor's evil schemes. Guilt-stricken Cortex explained that he wasn't there to help his family when they needed him most, and he's been trying to make up for it ever since. On Leaky Leaky Island, aka the Island of Lost Dreams, <laughs> yep, yep, uh, Carmen yep. and Gertie borrow Romero's powerful transmitter to trace the helmet's signal to a point in the Pacific Ocean, while Romero attempts to wrangle his latest creation, 
the cow. Half cow, half owl. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> okay. Artistic listeners, <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> Show me some cowls. That's all I'm saying. Carmen and Gertie continued to chase down the signal, arriving in the middle of the ocean just as Junie and Cortex's aquaglider breaches the surface. The four agents compare notes, and Carmen realises that Diabolique is draining children's imagination to keep the time rip open. Gertie heads back to the mainland to alert the OSS, while Carmen, Junie and Cortex head back to Diabolique's base to take him out. Arriving at the base, Junie and Cortex search for Diabolique while Carmen tries to shut down the imagination field. Before they separate, Cortex takes Carmen aside and tells her that she has all the skills she needs to be the best agent in the history of the OSS. She just needs to trust her instincts and clear her mind. Junie and Cortex find Diabolique at the time rip and attempt to capture him, but he evades them using his pogo boots. Brilliant. Classic. Decoy cannon and other gadgets. Again, I think this is around the time that uh, Walt Disney were making the fucking Inspector Gadget movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, above the time rip, Carmen climbs and swings her way to the large dish that focuses the imagination field, but is unable to deactivate it. Diabolique immobilizes Cortex using a web blaster and is preparing to throw Judy into the time rip when Gregorio, Ingrid, the Giggles, and Felix Gum all arrive. They save Juni and free Cortex, but Diabolique triggers the countermeasures in their gadgets, freezing them all in place. From high above, Carmen is frantically trying to shut down the imagination field when she has an idea, and instead of shutting it down, redirects all the energy at Diabolique. Overloaded with raw imagination, Diabolique's body mutates wildly before popping in a shower of confetti and fireworks and deflating <laughs> back to normal size. Uh. With the imagination field finally shut down, the time rip starts to close. Cortex takes Diabolique into custody and prepares to journey back to the future. Uh, <laughs> back to the future. Before he leaves, he takes Junior aside and tells him that, while there's nothing wrong with wanting to prove he can make it on his own, he should appreciate his family while he can. Cortex and Diabolique leap into the time rip as the Cortezes and the rest of the OSS agents depart the underwater base. Back at the OSS, a reinstated Juni stands with his parents, plus uncles Machete and Felix, cheering on Carmen as she completes the alpha-level spy course and sets a record time, as Devlin, George Clooney, presents Carmen with her alpha-level badge, a projection of Dr. Gloop! <laughs> <laughs> of course. Played by the chin, who isn't uh, Bruce Campbell, Quentin Tarantino. Dr. Gloop appears above the assembled agents, proclaiming his intention to carve his face into the moon. Moon's not big enough, mate. <laughs> Carmen and Junie share a look and prepare for their next mission. Tim, that's a, that's a Spy Kids film right there. <laughs> that's a Spy Kids. That's a Spy Kids. That's a spicier Spy Kids. It's better time travel stuff than... Um, uh, Spy Kids. I'm not going to get into the time travel. Spy Kids all all the time in the world it doesn't oh, actually what? matter. There's a lot of freezing time and and multiple multiple pivots. Um, <laughs> too many pivots. <laughs> too many pivots. It's basically like smoking aces. <laughs> um, but yes, um, isn't the bad guy called like TikTok in the in the fourth one? It just saw 2020, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yes, it is. 
My my main critique is that I want number three in the title, Tim. That's very <laughs> important to me. I want to be Spy Kids three, Operation Hourglass. Um, can I can I can I have perhaps uh, one of the S's of Hourglass could be a three. You can have the S of Spy Kids being a three. Okay. And by that I mean I'll be angry about that when I see it <laughs> in a poster, but I'll be like, all right, fair enough. With the E um, in Operation, surely. Ah, yes, there we yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, that's that's fair, that's fair. Or the O of operation is a clock and it's at three o'clock. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah, now marketing brain on Stockton. All my future film titles are going to be in Rebus form. Leaf Schreiber is a good shout for an older Daryl Sabara. Well, no, not really, because obviously you know how Daryl Sabara looks now. He looks he looks like Aaron Taylor Johnson, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like oh, but um, no, Leaf Trap is a good shout. I think that's an interesting call. Um, a whole you for the future thing, bit you know like Lost in Space. It works. It's fine. That's good. That's a good bit. Um, it's again, it feels very spiked. It has that erratic energy where everything is so silly and so ridiculous, but manic and fun at the same time. And the core message of family and etc etc i think that's that's it's good work tim i think daryl sabara looks like the fourth unknown member of lonely island (laughs) (laughs) or perhaps if you threw them all into a brundle teleporter (laughs) (laughs) is he is he like the fourth jonas brother (laughs) exactly yeah yeah um what i would change really um does does he explain why he changes his name to Cortex? Is he just like being clever because it's Cortez? Yeah, Pizza. so it's and, like, it's... giving the audience a chance to like catch yeah, on. Yeah, so and that, like, oh, that, oh, work that, out. that moment I, uh, is sort of meant to play as him about to say Cortez and then kind of yeah. changing it at the last minute because he doesn't want to say at that point that, hey, yeah. I'm you from the future. That's what I thought. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So I get my main pick would be that. Carmen is kind of sidelined. It's very, it feels very much like a Junie film, and she's kind of doing some exams and a few bits. Obviously, gets the infiltration and the kind of art bit, but it feels like she's kind of the B plot to Junie's A plot. And as much as Junie is a young me, I don't particularly like Junie. He's a wet fucking blanket <laughs> in, the, in the other in the first two films. And funny enough, that was Emma's one comment. She was like. God, he's a wet fucking blanket, isn't he? And I'm like, yeah, he kind of is. Well, you're marrying him. <laughs> that was me 25 years ago, or 20 years ago, motherfucker. So, with, his, yeah. with his warty little fingers. Oh, that's the <laughs> opening scene of the first film. It's ew, warts. And yes. it's like, wearing his bandages. Fucking weird choice. Anyway, um, yeah, I felt like Carmen kind of got a bit um, uh, of the short straw, as it were. Um, and I'd like to see a bit more, because I think. Alexa Vega is better than Daryl Sabara <laughs> in these films. And Car- yeah, Carmen fair. is often, while she's not quite the full sort of like powerful female mm. um, character, she does get a lot to do in the other films. And I, I kind of maybe want her to have a bit more of an active role in the, mm. in what's going on with Derbalik. Or maybe she finds out that Cortex is Junie before Junie does. And like, she Ooh, has to keep a secret from him. And yeah, yeah and I like stuff. that. Yeah. She works it out or something. It's like, Cortex? Mm, that seems a bit... And she's like... Because she always seems to be like one step ahead of Junie in the film. Mm. She's the older one as well. So she's kind of like... 
she would clock onto it and then be like, you knew the whole time. And she was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. If she and picks that, up on like certain ticks or things that he does that. Yes. Distinctly. Yeah. She sees like, like the wart scars on his fingers or like there's a quirk. He, say he like, like he's a robot from fucking Westworld. <laughs> Look at his hands. It's only the hands that you can tell. Um, or like he chews a pencil in a particular way and she notices that like Cortex does it in a particular yeah. way. And, you and can she even go like, as obvious as like more. having them both do the same kind of, yeah, like they... They both lean back in their chair at the same time and they both lean back at the same time in the yeah. same way and, and she's like, yeah. huh. But Junie's like, what? Yeah. And the classic kids bullshit. Yes. Yeah, I think that's... And, that's, and also the kind of them. the thing of, like, you don't notice your own weird habits. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, originally I did have... Um, there was going to be more to her, like, um, tracing the signal, and I was going to have uh, Hacko Lantern come back in, uh, and it was going to turn out that... So the... The Matthew Lillard-ness of him was just like his digital avatar. Uh, and ah. he was uh, going to be a teenage hacker played by Shia LaBeouf. Um, and, nice. Ridiculously nice. Uh, yes. And so there was going to be more of a subplot there. But it it it, um, it felt a bit kind of away from the main thrust of the thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of chopped that out. But it might... It, it did give her more to do. So, yeah, it... it I yeah I mean again we classically as we do with this where we're trying to keep things to word counts mm. and make it more passable I'd say you can bring that back in and work it into the plot mm. quite well especially if you bring in Shia LaBeouf I think that's actually a really good show because there's actually a bit of that kind of in Spy Kids 3D where they're like and again it's a, it's just a stupid thing mm. where they're like hang on we're gonna scan these these people to see what they're like oh they're nerds yeah. it's like <laughs> motherfucker you're all nerds yeah. what yeah. the you're fuck all are playing you talking a goddamn video, video game yes <laughs> you are talking ass. It's like those those people look like adults with employment. So yeah. I don't know if they probably have one up on you. They've got disposable income. Yeah. Um, but I I I also but, I, yeah, yeah I really like the idea of her catching on that it's Junie from the future first. I, I, yeah, I think that's really I like that a lot. Fun. Yeah, and 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 it's an odd one because it, yeah, like you say, you 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 want to include the characters. You don't want to feel like they're entirely just disposable cameos. But equally, mm. you can't can't get bogged down in in having everyone show up and all be integral to the plot because it would be so yeah, overstuffed yeah. and also the films themselves just have them show up and do a thing and then they leave you know it's not that, yeah, it's not exactly. like that's betraying the spirit of the film <laughs> no I, no i think you're you're literally like your scene with machete for example with initially just at the start where he's like oh yeah then anyone comes to to my thing there'll be lots of those sorts of things. Mm. They don't push the story forward. They're not important for getting the story out there, but they're present mm. um, in, in a weird way. Uh, anytime we do an ensemble cast thing. Uh, so for example, if we're doing uh, like if I had Star Trek five, for example, and it's like, you know, you need more to do with these characters. Like, yeah, they would do stuff, but we've just cut it out of this synopsis or something. Yeah. So yeah, again, I, I'm kind of just, rambling a little bit here just to say that i i like it as it is i could see that being so oh where's my favorite character insert name here it's like they're there yeah all right they're fucking there i did i didn't include um was it bill paxton as dinky winks Dink, yeah Dink, who who dingled the dinks or fucking whatever it is <laughs> who, oh fucking and his son i want to say <laughs> yes. in the third film yep yeah, the uh, the conclusion of spy kids 3d where they're like oh yeah we had all these other characters we should have them show up now is pretty bad. 
It's bad. It's very obviously green screen stuff. It's... Uh, it, let's check. Do you remember who these characters are? There's a lot of them. Don't worry, we'll put a big old bit of text on the screen saying yeah. they are. <laughs> oh, okay. Although I do love that uh, it's like, Dad, Mom, Grandma, Machete. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I'm I'm in the Danny Trejo camp of it is the same machete that just Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's way more fun. I like the idea that's the same machete, but in almost like in with the glasses, he just sees the world a little differently. <laughs> Nothing's different. He just thinks that's how it is yeah. in his head. <laughs> so these beautiful women. It's like, no, you no you didn't. What are you talking about? Well, the way I tell it. <laughs> it's like, yes, the way you tell it's got it. an extremely Wrong. weird set of they live glasses. <laughs> I could see Danny Trejo in a in a they live style. Yeah, that work. <laughs> yeah, there, there's something quite liberating uh, about writing a Spy Kids film because because <laughs> you can just be like, yeah, well, he's keeping the time rip open with the power of children's imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Like this right with again, he 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 um explodes effectively <laughs> um with, with you know confetti and it's like yeah it works it's it's so ludicrous um and i think there's so few films and this is kind of getting to credit to rodriguez there's so few films you could put that in it would make it work if you do like again let's take scooby-doo for example mm. you're doing a scooby-doo sequel it's like no i don't think you get away with that and, and by that i mean any of that shit yeah. <laughs> um because even though it's got like the the monster island or whatever it is it's a lot of weird stuff it doesn't have. You couldn't do like you know a dream fucking dimensional portal imagination. Yeah. Time rip thing. Yeah, but all all you need to Too do much. is watch like one of the Alan Cumming se- sequences from the first film, and you realise like, oh god, yeah. Oh, there are no rules in this universe. <laughs> mm. Because if there were, this would be against them. Yeah. It's really just a replacement score away from being a fucking horror film. <laughs> um, yeah. Definitely those parts. Yeah, yeah. And this this takes us back to my my kind of it's the Fantastic Four thing because like oh yeah, yeah. like the Fantastic Four you would have like oh this this uh this issue we're going to fight God, um and we're going to use this <laughs> like Jack Kirby's going to do this experimental like collage art to represent like Johnny Storm traveling into the midst of this god machine but we're right. actually done with that plot halfway through uh the issue and then the rest of it's about johnny storm going to college for the first time and both <laughs> of those two get big block like big announcements on the cover it's like the yeah the death of galactus and also johnny storm goes to college <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually like I have sailed into the maw of the central being at the universe's center's core, and Ben Grimm tastes ice cream again for the first time <laughs> since being a rock band. I'm like, sorry, sorry, what? <laughs> That's a lot to unpack there. It's a good fit, Tim, and you've done well, I think. Did you enjoy writing it just because you could do all this crazy bullshit and just get away with it? And just be like, <laughs> He exploded from too much imagination. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, would, I would find it quite like freeing and cathartic because, like I said, the one I was stressed about at his desk. Yeah, <laughs> I assume so. Yeah, the one we we've complained about prequels here a few times already, and how mm. fuck them. The fact that they lock you down is kind of the big problem there, and 
the one I was most stressed out was the thing because it is so strict about when and where things happen, all that kind of stuff. And this is the polar fucking opposite of that. Yeah. Where you're just like, do whatever you like <laughs> and just go mental. There was definitely, and- when I started writing it, I was like, I can't spend like four paragraphs describing like every fucking weird thing that happens in this digital chase against this fucking hacker lantern spot spider-man villain like knockoff green goblin as he just hold goblin yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. as they as as they mad max it through a reboot landscape like (laughs) uh yeah and and sort of like you know throwing in stuff like pogo boots and a you know um things like that and there was mm. a there was a temptation to just keep inventing weird shit um but uh yes it was very it was very freeing to i re- i recommend that everyone try writing a spy kids at least <laughs> once in their life i mean it explains why rodriguez did it and had fun doing it and it's like fuck it i'm going to keep doing this for a while and just having you know yeah. just being creative for this and, and in that sense but would you personally as rodriguez surrogate would you see this being give the end giving way to Spy Kids four because it doesn't really. I mean, well, you got the time it's, travel, it's so you see the future quite so nicely. With and, the but that's the thing: would we actually expect Tarantino's to see a sequel? Or is it, on it's the just, moon? Yeah, <laughs> I would not. W- I w- will we actually have a film about Tarantino on the moon? I would not. I would not make Tarantino on the moon uh, a permanent thing, except possibly if I did a if I did a Spy Kids four, it wouldn't be dealing with that mission. It just at some point or the fallout from it. You would. Like it'd be a completely different mission, but at one point you would see the moon in the sky and it would have Quentin Tarantino's face on it, <laughs> <laughs> or just like the half the face, face. Yes. or something. <laughs> yeah, half the face, and then clearly that they stopped it midway through. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so, so it would be you know that you'd expect more sequels or or, um, or not. I don't know. I think I think you have to write them like you would expect them. Yes, but it doesn't matter if there's yeah. not. and they're very. Mm. I mean, they're very much. Um, they're kind of episodic in that way. They're completely yes. as much as there is this strong continuity of the characters keep coming back. It's only the kind of the fact that characters get introduced that continuity matters. Like, yeah, sure. You could go from one to three, and you wouldn't be that much more out of depth than you would be following in sequence. There'd be a few cameos. You're like, who's this fucker? Yeah. And it wouldn't matter. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it, like, yeah. it, it, each one contains everything that you need to know about these characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, my only sense of disappointment is that uh, that you didn't try and crowbar it into some other franchise <laughs> and Ethan Hunt turns up at the end and you're like, <laughs> no, no, no. So before we get to next week's episode... Whether that'll be a Fury Road or a Spy Kids crossover. <laughs> Who knows? You'll have to tune in next week and find out, listeners. But before all of that, you can follow us on social media. You can go to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff, and find us. We are sequelizers. It's nice and easy. Our pinned tweet at the top of our Twitter profile has all of our information for our website, for our Discord, our Patreon page you mentioned at the beginning of the show, all that good stuff. You can find it all there, or you can go straight to the website, which is sequelizers.com. And it has everything there. It's got a merch. It's got a Discord. It's got little snippets about the three of us. It's delightful. Go and check it out. We, we poured our heart and soul into that website. 
And if you'd like to follow us individually on social media, I am JLW Chambers on pretty much everything. And uh, I guess loads of people are going to say I look like a uh, an adult Daryl Sabara now, but I don't. <laughs> but I kind of do. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You ain't no Leave Schreiber, son. <laughs> exactly. I'm a, I'm a Lonely Island reject is what I am. I'm just a, <laughs> yeah, that's me. But if you want to come and talk comics, anime, wrestling, all that kind of stuff, Hit me up on social media. Why not? Matt, how can people get in contact with you on social media? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. Uh, on the social medias, you can go to the Red Right Hand at Code UK, read my reviews. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. Tim, put on your little moustache and uh, tell us where we can find you. Hypertext transfer protocol secure colon forward slash forward slash worldwideweb.twitter.commercial forward slash trivia underscore lad. Fucking hell, that's good. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> Send the kill order. <laughs> to your creepy hybrid animals or thumb robots. Yes. And on that note, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week for more potential Spy Kids crossover, potential Fury Road. <laughs> You'll just have to tune in and find out. See you next week. Bye.